is such an embarrassment. Having to do away with someone. It's like announcing to the world that you lack the savvy and the finesse to deal with the problem more creatively. I mean, there have been times, naturally, when I've had to have people eliminated. Always saddened me. I've always felt like myself down somehow. We talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we know what's happening. We talk, we talk, we talk Superman. Welcome back to another exciting episode of All-Star Superfan, the podcast that explores the astonishing legacy of the Man of Steel, his world and all of the characters who exist therein. I'm Alan Burke and that villainous voice you heard a moment ago is none other than my co-host and friend, the fiendish Mr. Rob O'Connor. Hi Rob. I am God. God will smite you down. Uh, we're in store for a lot of this tonight, I think, are we? <laughs> uh, I, I can't tell if, like, I feel like my John Shea was better last time. I, I'm sort of drifting into, like, Malcolm McDowell or something. It's really No, weird. you're doing good. You're doing good. I, I like it. I like it. It's no Jack Larson and sandwiches. No. I, can't, I can't do it. Mr. Kent, I brought the coffee and sandwiches. <laughs> that's that's like that's like our lowest rated episode ever but it's actually the funniest i think it's the funniest episode we ever did was the episode we did on panic in the sky alan's rant about george reeves lack of glasses please go back and listen to that one everyone um rob our guest tonight needs no introduction He's a very good friend of ours and one of the biggest supporters of the podcast out there. He is the creator of the Always Hold On To Podcasting Empire, which includes Hold On To Always Hold On To Smallville, Always Hold On To Superman and Lois, and Always Hold On To The Flash. He's the second coolest Zach on the planet after Zach Morrison. Please welcome for the Zach second Morrison. time. Is that that's his name, isn't it? No, Zach Morris. What? Oh, Zach Morris. Okay, I'll go again. Hang on. <laughs> Don't go again. That's, again. That's staying in. That is staying in. <laughs> Sorry, Zach. <laughs> uh, please welcome for the second time to the show. It's Mr. Zach Moore. Welcome back, Zach. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, good. It's great to have you back again. It's great to have you back with us. Um, I am the villain of the story. <laughs> uh, we uh, we had such a great time uh, covering Bizarro that uh, we wanted to get you back a lot sooner than than, than we have. So we can't wait to get into uh, into into Lex Luthor later on. Um, we can't wait to have him. Who Who better to have on? Yeah. I mean, I, I watched him for seven out of ten years of my show, so. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and this technically week. here and there in the tenth season. Technically here and there, played by various actors and things and creatively done. And the back more. of his head, maybe. and <laughs> Maybe some child actors who had played it before came back and did things. So they, they worked it out. They worked it out. Now, you've both had very interesting weeks. Rob, we'll start with you. How's, how's your week been going? I, ugh, not great. I was supposed to have a quiet week in work and then I stood up and did a light kind of a yawn stretch thing and there was a really, really loud crack and everyone in the office literally turned around and went, what the heck was that? Basically, I pulled something in my back. I had to lie down on the ground like an idiot for about 40 minutes before my boss had to drive me home. Really, really embarrassing. So I've been laid up in bed for the last two days and oh, thanks God. to painkillers and a bit of stretches, I'm finally back up on my feet. But yeah, good, finally. Good, good. And Zach, your week was uh, 
interesting and very different ways. Uh, you made your debut appearance on Talkville. Yes, I was on Talkville, the uh, ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast, as they call themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and and no, no, it was, it was a lot of fun. I'd been on the works for a while. Uh, producer over there, uh, Bryce, had been emailing me since before the podcast launched and uh, had become aware of me and through various channels and uh, talked about, you know, promoting the show before I came out, of course, to raise some awareness. And of course, I was yeah. happy to do that. And, and then then had me on the show and and uh i was very happy to be on the show uh it was a, it was in a limited capacity and i came on you know i talked to them for about 15 minutes or so and most of that made the final cut uh what's cool about that podcast being a video podcast is like i got to see myself on there interacting with tom welling and michael rosenbaum and i had a had a fantastic time and it was a great experience and by all accounts i, I should be popping in uh maybe once a season if all goes well in that capacity so it's uh, li living the podcast and dream guys that's amazing. And were they as nice as they seem in the pod, on the podcast? Yeah, I got to say, you know, uh, Mike Rosenbaum is quite a character, right? And he's, he is, yeah. he's consistently that character at all times. Uh, I, but, you know, very nice. And Tom Welling, though, man, just a sweetheart. Like, I just, mm. I got such great vibes from him um, as well, just kind of like being interested in, in the stuff I had to say and then even chiming in. Like, I think, you know, it's it's so interesting because and I think that's why the podcast works because they they they're different people they think so differently they come at it from different angles, uh, but they, they both have a lot of, of of passion and things to say, uh, but but Tom Welling he I, he surprisingly to me I think he he gets it because he's like yeah man like if yeah. Keanu Reeves did a John Wick podcast I I listen to every second of it I'm like yes yeah <laughs> that's exactly what we have going on here so yeah I was just very delighted uh, and you know somewhat in awe you know I mean it's as silly as it may sound I'm like I'm I'm sitting here talking to the guys who play the two main characters of my favorite show, which I have built my podcasting life around. So it's like <laughs> this, this pinnacle moment. And and uh, hopefully there'll be more coming up in the future. And you got your plug as well. I did. I was, I, and I wondered if they were going to leave that in the episode. I, I kind of threw that in at the end. I was like, I, this is my opportunity. I have to ask Tom. And it had gone so well. I was like, and I, and I felt like it was like, okay, I don't, I, I feel comfortable asking for this bump in for the podcast because, um, I have Michael Rosenbaum has done a, po a bump in for my podcast in the past. Uh, John Glover has as well. Laura Vanderbrook. Yeah. I got them all when I met them in person at various conventions. And I'm like, well, all those characters are, are not on the show anymore starting in season eight. Like, I got to get somebody. And like, well, it was a perfect opportunity. I got Tom Welling. And I have since launched season eight. And you hear Tom Welling introducing the podcast. So I'm covered for the rest of the show now. So it was, it was a great uh, it was a great get. Awesome. That's brilliant. That's great. I, I'm just, I keep checking our emails to see when we get the email. To <laughs> we, we haven't, we haven't, we, we well, haven't got anything yet. But it's coming. I know it's coming. Um, <laughs> I'll put in a good word for you now. <laughs> I, I, I said it off the air, Zach, and, but I'll say it on the air as well. Like, never forget, they are lucky to have you. You have done an amazing job yeah. at keeping the love for that show alive. And, and in some cases, definitely in my case, rekindling the love yeah. for that show. Mm. I have found myself watching more episodes of Smallville in the past couple of years than I thought I would. And a lot of that is down to your podcast. So congratulations, definitely. That. But congratulations to them for getting the great Zach Moore on, on their <laughs> podcast. So, I appreciate uh, that. Yeah. And I think that came across with them as well. I think they really appreciated the work that you've done. And uh, my favorite part was when uh, I think it was Michael asked you how far into it you are. And you were like, oh, you're you're almost on season eight. And that seemed like 
decades away to, to like, form it. That was like, whoa! Oh, I hope they make it. I hope they make it that far. No, and, uh, and they, they were very thankful in the emails. She's like, oh hey, thanks for being a part of this. And you know, Michael Rosenbaum emails me like right before. He's like, hey, jump in at this time. It might be a little late. Aha! Uh-huh, but thanks for making the time. I'm like, oh, this is like they don't have to say that. And I know it's yeah. little, but I, I just it. I just got a very positive vibe the whole experience. And uh, yeah. and it's, it's one of those like because I had met them in ver- in smaller capacities before, mm. kind of come and go, got a picture with them and whatnot. But it's the, the whole that whole fear of meeting your your heroes you're like oh, they, yeah. what's it gonna be like and and i can honestly say i i get a great vibe from the whole thing and a really positive experience so amazing i have to say i i really really enjoyed that show they do Talkville. i think it's a lot of fun even if you're not that invested in the actual episodes which a lot of those kind of season one kind of villain of the week episodes that, that they're not the most beloved episodes of smallville but just hearing them talk about the day-to-day of being on set and the challenges they faced yeah. and one of my favorite things is, as you kind of said, Zach, Tom Welling, like just taking an interest in these kind of, you know, actors with quote unquote smaller roles. Like he'll, he'll point out, oh, you know, that paramedic that walked into that scene, he was doing a great job. He was so in the scene. He was so present. And, you know, he, he really has respect for people doing their jobs well, no matter, you know, what, what, how insignificant it might appear to, to others. Yeah. And I, I really, That's really like the- that about that show. That's by far my favorite part of the show is, mm. I mean, because because Rosalind has been to conventions and had podcasts and talked about things for a while, and obviously him being there is is as half of the whole formula. But Tom Willing, who has who has never who has just been you know living undercover <laughs> ever yeah. since during the show, he's just a private guy. Comes over yeah. off the show, he explains all these like, look, I was doing Smallville seven days a week, twelve hours a day. Like the last thing I wanted to do was was talk about it or watch it or even think about it. And you, you know, I, I get it. And now just I have so much more like just a, a new perspective on him. And it, like he really like cared about just yeah you know, the 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 show making sense and the, and the mm. little things and like wow just he was really paying a lot of attention to this show and, and you know because actors they become producers kind of near the end of the show yeah. like for contractual reasons like they want more control over their character and I kind of assumed that's what it was with Tom when he was the producer in like seasons nine and ten and I'm sure it was at some point but part of it was no man he's here like every day of the week he knows everything yeah. works and and he was and to that point really he directed quite a few episodes. And they were all really good. And now I understand why they were so good because he was like, he understands this production stuff. So, and it's, he hasn't directed anything since Marvel, but I, I would, mm. I think he'd be a great director because yeah, he, yeah. he has an eye for this kind of stuff and how it all fits together. So yeah, I mean, that's the, the show is, is totally worth the price of admission, which is free. You can get wherever you get your podcast, but it's definitely worth your time. Um, even if they do brush over, you know, some of the, the plots and whatnot, they kind of blow through because we're not, I mean, look, that's what guys like us are here to, yeah. to nerd yeah. out about, right? Like uh, them, I want to hear their stories of those episodes and that's what they're giving us. So it's a great time. What I really appreciate about it is um, their honesty. It's just their honesty. And it's something that me and, and Rob try and, and, and make sure that we accomplish as well is to just kind of, just because we love something doesn't mean we can't acknowledge the faults and the flaws with it. And by God, Mike Rosenbaum definitely acknowledges the flaws in the show or issues that he has with the show, and I God love that about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, they asked me about that, as you guys heard, and I, you know, mm. I, I probably gave more of a different like answer because I was kind of on the spot. But, but it, it's, <laughs> it's it's really I almost wanted to tell Michael, like, man, you got some rough times ahead if you because <laughs> season one, it, you know, they're figuring out the show. But I think every as Tom points out, like, oh, there's some hard here, there's an angle here. You get to some of those season six and seven, it's like, yikes, this is like. <laughs> what are we doing so i i look forward to seeing how how uh they might start giving some bombs as their ratings go on that show but uh yeah I, I, that's one thing i struggle to i struggle struggle to understand quite their their, their rating system three roses, <laughs> there's a heater right down the middle and there's three you know, the, the, the rosen bomb it's it's a funny because of his name but it is rather it's like well i liked it a lot 
so it's a one because a negative three means I didn't like it. That is that's hard <laughs> to kind of wrap your head around. So, um, will we get into tonight's episode, guys? I cannot wait. So we are going to do a deep dive uh, into. Well, we're going to deep dive into the Lex Luthor character on uh, like in a live action television. Now, Zach, you came on previously. We we did this, a similar uh, type of episode with the character of Bizarro. We had a lot of fun with that. And um, just before we get into the episodes and a little bit on the history of Lex, your own personal history with the character of Lex is he one of your favorite villains? Is he not one of your favorite villains? Is it just Michael's performance that you like? What's your What's your history with Lex Luthor? Well, Lex Luthor. It's probably my my third favorite combo character after Superman and Batman. Like I just think he's so fascinating, and like and because he's kind of like both those guys in a way. Like he's very mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne in a way, mm-hmm. and also obviously you know the superhero Superman connection with, on the other side of things. Uh, he's just such a fascinating character, and it depends on obviously how he's written, how he's performed. Like there's a lot of going on there, but he's very malleable, uh, much like Batman. I think uh, and that's why he works in very different forms. Superman, a less malleable character, I think, and that's where we have all our, of our fan wars when they yeah. try to change certain things. Lex Luthor, I think, you know, I'm very open to a lot of interpretations of him because there have been so many. You know, you grew up watching the Christopher Reeve movies. It's like, oh, it's Gene Hackman, and that's pre-crisis. He's a kind of a goofy, mad scientist, but he's got he's got some edge to him that that people sometimes overlook. Campy, yes, but not like Batman '66 campy, which is yeah. fun in its own ways. So that's not a slight to that, but just that's the vibe from that guy. Um, Michael Rosenbaum just defined it for a generation, I think, just because watching Smallville, like, you know, you you identify with Clark sometimes, and you identify with Lex sometimes, and you're like, I don't know, I, maybe I would have played it like Lex if things would have gone this way or that way. So that just added a whole other layer to it as well. Plus, you know, the animated series, Superman the Animated Series, it's funny, you know, when I was on with Bizarro for the Bizarro episode, we, we, we kind of dumped on Superman the Animated Series quite oh, yeah. a bit. I felt a little bad afterwards, like, as I really do like Superman the Animated Series. Yeah, me too. They had a lot of great stuff going on. Uh, Superman, I think our point, though, was Superman was like the most boring part of it. Yeah. Uh, Lex Luthor, fantastic. Clancy Brown. That's the thing, right? You talk about like, oh, well, who are your favorite Lex Luthors? Well, Clancy Brown has to be in that conversation. Uh, And and he's, again, one of these actors who could have played him in live action if they ever wanted to. Mm -hmm. He absolutely could have. So just that um, there's just some ultimately, you know, with Lex Luthor, I think what he represents best, if you're not, if you, you know, you can get in the whole like, you know, best friend stuff from Smallville, that's some cool epic stuff. But, like, even beyond that, because a lot of the other versions obviously don't have that uh, factor, what I find most fascinating about Lex Luthor is he is, like, Superman versus, like, the establishment, right? He can't, like, punch his way out of this. And, and, you know, uh, Lex always has, like, the the public on his side or the the business persona and the red tape that gets him out. And that's what's frustrating. That's the thing that Superman can't defeat just through strength and powers and things. And that's what makes him more fascinating than just, like, a big monster that he can just beat up and lock away and stuff like no the like just the laws of this world <laughs> keep superman from yeah. defeating his ultimate opponent and that's why i think he's such a fascinating character and sometimes like even like i don't they, they do this with so many villains they make him like an anti-hero and i don't know if i want to go that far with like suther but there's some plot lines where i find him very fascinating like forever evil in the new 52 like where he yeah. basically had to lead the justice league who was left up and versus the um the crime syndicate i thought that's very fascinating when lex is put in that spot so there's a lot of stuff you can do with him he's very malleable but those are those are my uh off the top of my head favorite parts and aspects of his character uh, that's one thing as well that i always find fascinating about the lex Luthor character especially when it comes to live action is that unlike other characters no two versions or two portrayals of lex Luthor are are in the same realm they're all so different and independent i i think for the most part like i know kevin spacey kind of did the gene hackman thing but again a more kind of a sinister version of that but like there, there's so many different interpretations rob what's what about you what's your, your thoughts overall on lex and who's your favorite or your history with the character 
Yeah, do you know what? In researching this episode, I kind of came to the conclusion that I would go as far as to say that Lex Luthor is my favorite comic book supervillain ever now. Definitely superseding the Joker and stuff like that. Because I, I think what it comes down to for me is, you know, you might you might go through your whole life without ever meeting someone like the Joker. You will mm-hmm. meet someone like Lex Luthor in your lifetime. It's just there's no doubt about it. They're 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 all out there. Go on www.twitter.com right now, and you can see Lex Luthor in action. You know, like he, as Zach someone said, say he owns it. As Zach said so perfectly, Superman was created as a champion of the oppressed, a guy who could go up against the big guy and protect the little guy. The big guy, perfectly embodied by Lex Luthor. And what I found watching these episodes and kind of thinking about it a little bit more. Something I never really realized before is, you know, General Zod has that line in Superman 2 where he goes, oh, I've, I've discovered Superman's one weakness. He cares. He actually cares for these people. You know, Superman's whole thing is that, yes, he can. he's got, quote unquote, unlimited power. He's incredibly powerful. But you could say that his main weakness is actually not kryptonite, but that he cares about people. He has a humanity that kind of defines him and it will always prevent him from being kind of a god above yeah. like kind of rising above everyone else lex luther is actually not dissimilar like in a lot of versions of lex luther it is strangely enough his humanity w- which is his undoing like and it's not just in these live action shows it's also kind of in kind of silver age comics here and there in modern comics as well but definitely in some of the episodes we're going to talk about tonight you know it's it's the slivers of humanity that lex has left that kind of calls his uh his empire to unfold and i find that really really fascinating whereas the joker is just pure evil he has no humanity he, you know he he's just a force of nature kind of thing you know whereas lex is far more of a kind of a three-dimensional complex kind of a shakespearean type character sometimes they play him as like you were saying zach he's kind of like a greek tragedy kind of an anti-hero type thing and sometimes he's just he, he's more of a like a richard richard the third type thing who's who's undone by a love of something you know, so I, I think he's incredibly, incredibly interesting. I think he's been done so wrong by kind of movie iterations getting him wrong and stuff like that. Um, but I think these TV versions have consistently, whether or not they always do what I would like them to do with Lex Luthor, they always do an interesting job with him. Um, and I think we're about to see that. Yeah, very well said. I, I especially uh, like what, the, the, uh, the, the one episode we're not going to talk about tonight is the one where Lex Luthor fixes the basketball game in the Superboy show. It's actually Alan's favorite episode ever. <laughs> Season one, Scott Wells. <laughs> and I, I, I'm really looking forward to, to to getting into the Superboy episode with you, Zach, because I know that uh, the last time that you were on, uh, when we were winding up the the recording, you said that we had kind of lit the fire in you to to go back to Superboy more and kind of dip your toe in that well. And I want to find out if you really did that, um, or if this is. Uh, if you still feel like that now that you've seen uh, this latest episode, so I can't wait. And um, we'll just go through um, some of Lex Luthor's history uh, briefly. Everybody knows who Lex Luthor is. We won't go into it in the detail that we went into it with Bizarro, but Alexander Joseph L- uh, Lex, air quote, Luthor is a supervillain appearing in DC Comics. The character was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster and originally appeared in Action Comics number 23 in April of 1940. He has since endured a Superman's arch nemesis. Lex Luthor was originally depicted as a narcissistic and egotistical mad scientist from the 1960s to the early 1980s. Since the late 1980s, he has more often been portrayed as the power-mad CEO of LexCorp. He wishes to rid the world of Superman, ostensibly because he views Superman as a threat to humanity, but in reality envies Superman's popularity and influence. 
Um, so that's just a general background. We, we don't need to really go in, you know, the Silver Age origins where he knew Superboy in, in Smallville. That sounds familiar. But uh, the, the, his hatred grew out of the fact that uh, Superboy saved him from a fire, a chemical fire, and he lost all his hair. And then obviously the post-crisis version then is is the more Trumpian version of Lex Luthor, who uh, just wants to be Metropolis's, Metropolis's number one. Um, but yeah, so we'll get into the first episode, guys. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, so Superboy, uh, Zach, you, you, we went back, we watched Superboy in another episode. Uh, just before we get into it, did you enjoy it? I did, I did. I, I have heard people talk about Sherman Howard as Lex Luthor. I, I've seen bits and pieces. Uh, I've seen Sherman Howard and other things and enjoyed him. Uh, and I can see why people enjoy him as Lex Luthor. So I, if you, if you enjoy his performance, you're going to enjoy his episode. So yeah, on, on the whole, I, I enjoyed it because I have, you know, I'm busy watching lots of shows, Alan. Yep. So I have not had a chance to go back and <laughs> always saw the Superboy or anything like that. Uh, but uh, I know I, we're two for two as far as you guys' recommendations on Superboy episodes, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that that could just be luck. Look at the draw. <laughs> More when we had Matt on the time uh, when we 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 um, I can't remember the name of that episode. What was that episode, Rob? Where he goes back in time to the 1930s? Hollywood. Um, but that was Hollywood. That was that was rough. That it was, was a rough. Piece going. of garbage. That one, yeah. Um, so the episode we're going to talk about tonight um, is from the Superboy show from the 1980s and early 1990s the episode title is Know Thine Enemy Uh, it was season 4 episode 7 released November 17th 1997 written by a good friend of the podcast Mr. James DeMatteis and directed by uh, Brian Spicer the runtime was 44 minutes and the synopsis reads Superboy is trapped inside Lex Luthor's virtual reality computer program and Lana must enter the program to save Superboy before it's too late Rob this is one of your favorite episodes am I right this is my favorite episode of Superboy this is the reason why I say no no actually Superboy isn't just this disaster that you think it is it actually there are some incredible episodes this is the one that I always point to Yes, it has flaws. Yes, there are, you know, things that are ropey, things that don't quite come together. Mm -hmm. I just think it's an incredible script by an incredible comic book writer, incredibly directed for probably a shoestring budget. And it's 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 if I'm not mistaken, Zach, the only accurate depiction of Lex Luthor's post-crisis origin ever in live action. And I think it's as far as I know. uh, Yeah, I mean, Smallville is certainly its own thing. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then the movies are their own thing. And we really don't delve into his origin in any other live action. Well, there's, like, there's Supergirl. We'll get into that. <laughs> they definitely refer to it in Lois and Clark, but you don't see it. I, th- I think they kind of imply. Yeah, they, they impl- he's like, yes, yeah, so my parents died. And you're like, oh, he killed his parents, right? And they never go that far in yeah. Lois and Clark. Yeah. But, you know, had, had he been on all four years, I'm sure it would have come up at some point. But yeah. And no, I, I, ju- I just think this is like that there are flaws. We can discuss them. But I, I, I think yep. this is a stunning, stunning. Ep- I think Sherman Howard is just astronomical in this episode. He's so, so good. And yeah, I love it. I think it's really, really good. To be honest, I think uh, all the issues I have with the Superboy TV show, um, I, I, I don't think I've seen an episode yet where I don't like Sherman Howard playing Lex Luthor. Um, whether the episode is good or bad, I think his his performance is always um, pretty much in the in in the right area, and I, I think he nails it. I think he's really, really good. Um, we won't go through a a step by step of each individual scene, but just to give the episode a, an overview. The basic plot of the episode is that Lex Luthor has decided he's going to set off a, a bomb and destroy. It's not Metropolis, which surprised me because I keep forgetting that it's Capital City. I think, Capital Rob, is City. it? It's Capital City. That, that and also surprised me. I was like, "Oh, that's where the Department of 
extra normal affairs is or whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah. And the funny thing about uh, Capital City is sometimes they spell it with an O, like capital. They Sometimes they spell it with an O and sometimes they spell it with an A. And it's so funny, <laughs> like spotting when they make the mistake. It's amazing. <laughs> um, so Lex is planning to destroy Capital City using a bomb. Uh, much to Darla's dismay, he doesn't even have uh, ransom demands. Sorry, sorry or... it's not Capital City, Alan. It's the whole world. It's a dirty bomb that the radiation... Oh, it's going to destroy the whole yeah. planet. Yeah. So he's oh, going to like, extinguish all life on Earth. Yeah. Darla, who is this kind of stand-in Miss Teschmacher, is, or, or Mercy Graves, whatever way you want to put it, but uh, she is dismayed at the fact that uh, Lex doesn't have any demands. He He's just fully uh, committed to destroying, that. He was destroying like, the world. Just going to do, do it. And Superboy, at the, in the very beginning, finds his hideout or finds one of his hideouts and locates uh, a computer. And I, I didn't note the name of it, a disc, basically, kind of a, a Lex Luthor has a psycho disc. Lex has downloaded all of his memories into a disc and Superboy decides to connect it up to his brain and go into Lex Luthor's mind or his, his memories of the past to try and figure out where he is. What do you think of it as a plot device, Zach? I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, Lex Luthor, he's a, a narcissist, obviously, so he would want to survive. And then yeah. as, as more is revealed, like as more is revealed of why he's doing what he's doing, it's like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Like, oh, he's just doing, he's not doing just, oh, it's a crazy bad scientist. Yeah. It's like, no, something happened that triggered him to be like, well, just F it all. And I'll just yeah. live forever with who I want to live with forever with. And like, okay, that's a pretty good motivation. And, and, on and one thing with the being super- a narcissist, I love that literally the computer voice that he has programmed into his psycho disc is like it has the face of Lex Luthor, it has the voice of Lex Luthor, and it has his personality. You know, whereas I, I just want to know what the storage capacity in that disc is <laughs> yeah. for 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 nineteen ninety one. He he when he when he connects the computer up, he he jumps into the into the memories of of obviously of Lex Luthor. How did you think that was depicted, Rob? Did were you were you happy with that or do you think they did a good job with that yeah again like i mentioned the direction like brian spicer the only other thing i know that he directed was power rangers the movie by the way which i also love but for very different reasons um i i just think across the board in this episode like he makes all those kind of virtual reality scenes seem like a dream like the way they're yeah. shot like there's smoke like machines like yeah. All, yeah. all the sets are very kind of uh, scaled back. Like it's only the really key features in the set that you can see and everything else is kind of just like shadowy and sort of. It's almost like a, a theater production, like a small amateur dramatics theater production. The whole episode is like a stage play. That's like the best yeah. way of putting it. It's, it's like this small character driven stage play where you don't really need much special effects or production design. And yeah, no, and, and even the way characters are shot in those scenes, like there's a lot of Dutch angles, there's a lot of like extreme close-ups and like shooting people from below and, and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I mean, the, the actors who play Lex's parents and the uh, child, Lena, like they're, they're, they're jobbing Florida actors, you know, that they're, they're not, yeah. they're, they're not amazing, but I think the direction and the script no John Clover. rises above the... Rises yeah, above the, the inadequacies, you know. The Lionel stand-in, right, or whatever you want to call. Him. He, he's yeah. no John Glover, but I no. find him threatening and very unsettling. Yeah, yeah. which is that's the point. Sinister, and 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 that's what the memories kind of all. <clears throat> we don't need to go into each individual one, but the memories are basically that uh, Lex's father. We'll call him Lionel. Lex's father, Lionel, is abusive. Uh, I think, I think abusive. actually, uh, Alan uh, Lex Luthor's Silver Age father's name was Brian Luthor. If you can, oh, uh, Brian doesn't Brian have the same ring. Nope. Yeah, but that's <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, I think his name is Brian Luther. Yeah, um, but he's he's 
an alcoholic. He's abusive. He uh, has full control over Lex's mother. Um, he beats uh, his younger sister, who's aptly named Lena. I, I presume that's where they came up. Was that the case in the comics, Rob? That her name was Lena. If she, if he had a sister, or was that? I presume that's where Supergirl got the name from as well. Is it from the? Yeah. So Lex did have a a sister in the Silver Age called Lena Luther, and that's where they got that from. And this is the first live action depiction of her. Yeah, Th- this and is the first so depiction of her. In, this is the <laughs> first depiction of, of her in, in in anything actually. This is the she was obviously never in anything before. Much like so many things in the superboy show it's the first mm-hmm. depiction yeah. of anything outside of the comics so that's pretty cool and it's it's genuinely upsetting it's genuinely uh, uh distressing scenes you know the father has com- complete control he he physically assaults the daughter he physically assaults lex on screen who's obviously not portrayed by sherman howard's portrayed by jared christopher and and as it's going on jared christopher's superboy kind of forgets that he is superboy and kind of becomes um this kind of lex luther personality um but like the kind of scenes of of them at the at the breakfast table at the dinner table and then there's kind of a scene later on where um lex luther is lying in bed and he's or on the couch and his sister's beside him and he's kind of talking about how his his whole motivation is is saving her from this situation and using his intellect to um to basically escape and create a, a, a better life for the two of them and the father is obviously very jealous of lex's um, intellect, his intelligence, his capability, the fact that he has a future ahead of him, and he's he he hates that about him. Um, I I just thought it was very effective overall, and probably one of the most effective kind of background stories I've ever seen depicted. I I know we've never really gotten a, a full origin of Lex before, but like I don't remember anything in live action really getting into the meat of Lex Luthor before and his background and why he is the way he is. Um, you know, I know Smallville did it slowly over time with Lionel, and you know you could see the kind of the traumas and stuff that Lex has endured through Lionel but like in, in in terms of one kind of episode standalone like that I've never seen a character study of them like this do you want to agree yeah <laughs> I, I would say I mean Smallville had some one-offs that like Memoria from season yeah. three were like that's probably the closest um which you know s- spoilers for that episode like there's this whole subplot where um of this of the show really for three seasons where like Lex had a little brother who died and yeah. it, they never quite reveal what happens until the middle of the third season where it's like, Oh, Lex killed his brother by accident. And then it's revealed that Lex's mom killed his brother, but Lex took the blame. So his dad would take out his wrath on him and not his mom. I'm like, Holy shit. <laughs> like that's some dark stuff. So that would, that would be an equivalent to this. Mm. Uh, also, I, I must say there's an episode of Smallville, which is a direct equivalent to this uh, called okay. fracture in season seven. And Lex gets shot in the head. Um, and they hook him up to a machine where a person could go inside his his head oh my god and, and retrieve memories um because because lois and and supergirl like kara kent she's on the show at this point they they're trapped somewhere and lex is the only person who knows where they are so lex uh clark has to go inside lex's head and run around and he sees uh he sees lionel like abusing lex and all i stuff cannot like, oh, believe this <laughs> The amount well, of that, Superboy episodes that have direct correlations with Smallville. Yeah, we're going to we're, we're going to have to about that at some point. But anyway, we're going to have to yeah. because it's like that is incredible. because I knew about the one in the mine. And anyway, it's it's crazy that that uh, did you, you sneaky CW people just like nobody remembers Superboy. Let's <laughs> we're running out of ideas. Let's watch this show. But to your, to your point, Alan, it is a very condensed like you know, hey, this is why this guy is the way he is, and you start to have sympathy for him. At least Superboy does. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. And we, we learn as it goes on that the reason that Lex Luthor is kind of so despondent in, in the present time is that uh, he believes 
or and the audience believes for a time that Lena has actually died in a in a car crash the previous week, and he's read it in the paper, and this is what kind of brought him to the end of his road. But his his overall plan is to destroy the world and live on as an android with an android uh, with a, or a cyborg maybe. It's cyborg even, android. It's, what I love about it is it's not it's usually when you you live on as a cyborg, it's implied that you're going to transfer your consciousness. But that's mm-hmm. that's not the case here. It's like he's programmed no. this this robot with his own mind, and he's also programmed a Lena robot with his memories of Lena. So, it, like, he knows he's going to die, but this other robot will live on with his memories and will live yeah. on with the prime directive of protecting Lena, his sister, and that that obviously becomes important later on. So it's it's really kind of like. It's really twisted when you think about it. Like he he knows he is going to die, but his love of his sister will live on. Um, and this caused great uh, upset to Darla, who begs and pleads with him. He's extremely cruel to Darla in this episode. And I think of all the episodes I've seen, and I haven't seen every episode of the four seasons, but this is the most cruel I've ever seen him um, with the Darla character. And funnily enough, trivia-wise, this is the last appearance, I believe, of the Darla character. So this is kind of... Oh. The time that she kind of washes her hands of Lex, this is, you know, because he, he she sees exactly what kind of a monster that yeah. that he is. That he's willing to kill her and he has no love for her. And he tells her, he holds her by the face and he tells her that, you know, she's she's she means nothing to him. And the only that person makes who a lot of sense Lena. that this would be her last episode. Yeah. Like, and it's that's, it, that's interesting. Like, not that this show cared about. I don't know. Maybe you guys know more than I do, but like not that it would care about continuity like that. But it's like, hey, after something yeah. like this, I thought she would go back to him. So good, good for you, Darla. And Tracy Roberts, by the way, probably the most unsung Superman actor ever. Like, you know, we we mentioned it in our Superboy episode with Sam that like every time she's on screen, she's doing something interesting as an actor. Like she never kind of phones it in. And I don't think she did much acting after this. But like even in the scenes where Lex is kind of talking to this robot in the corner and she's just like sipping brandy in the corner going, what the fuck is this? I got to get out of here fast. Like (laughs) you can see all this kind of drama going on behind her eyes. And it could have been so easy to just play that in this one dimensional way. But she she does something kind of interesting with it, like for, for such a low budget kind of nothing show. I don't know. I yeah, don't I really know. like I don't her. I think you'd cool. see a woman smoking cigarettes in a family slash children's television show today. So, well, no, no absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I said that. Like, you know, the thing you could do back then was you could you could smoke, you could drink, you could do all these interesting things with your hands. Where now, like, what do you do? Drink a soda, vape, maybe? You know? um, <laughs> no, I, I think she's she's really really good. And the, Alan, you mentioned that bit where like he clenches her cheeks and he goes, "You don't know me." You've never yeah. seen me. And as a kid, I thought he was referring to the fact that he, she had never seen his real face, Scott Wells from season one. But now watching <laughs> oh, it. Oh, look at that. Now watching it, it's clear they're kind of retconning that whole thing a bit. Like it's they're the kind mask, of, yeah. You know, and he's saying, you've never seen me as in, she has no, she can't fathom what his real personality is because is he's never opened himself up to her. Um, and just in relation to the Scott Wells version of Lex, I know, and I always find that funny that they made such a, an effort to uh, explain why he looks different in seasons two, three, and four, and yet Superboy was also recast, and they made no effort to explain exactly. why so why bizarre. he looks different. Bizarre. But it, officially, canon-wise, it is the same character. They lead you to believe that's the same character, and he's had you know facial surgery or, or whatever. But like 
the version of Lex that Superboy is reliving in his mind would be kind of not too far off the age of the Scott Wells. Like, he's not a kid. He's not six or seven. He's a teenager, if not a little bit older, I would have thought, in that scene where he's tying up his parents and he's planning to kill them. And it's not anything like Scott Wells. Like, he's he's a, a bit of a... He's completely different altogether. So they've, they've there is completely a retconned on, it. There is a full-on retcon going on here. Yeah. Because in the Scott Wells season one Superboy, he mentions that his father is extremely wealthy. Ah, what does okay. that what 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 does that remind us of? Um, and <laughs> apparently, Scott Wells did an interview around the time of season one of Superboy, where he said, and this interview only came out recently. They uploaded it on um, uh, Sam's uh, group, Superboy: The Legacy, wherein he said that the background. It's a great of, listen. Yeah, it's it's really really fascinating, and the yeah, he said that the background notes of the character were that his father was the third richest man in the world. So that was what he was, that was the direction he was taking the character. He was going in with that mindset. Whereas here they're saying, no, he's actually very firmly working class background. And uh, yeah. and he killed those guys and then used the life insurance money to, to make a bunch of money, you know, so. We're, as I always thought it would have made more sense for Sherman Howard to come in as Lex's father. That, as the Scott Wells' dad, kind of like mm-hmm. the third richest man in the world and he's alexander luther or whatever you want you know oh like, you want to like do brian Cranston is going to come in and be jesse eisenberg's father Ooh, Got yeah you. gotcha <laughs> I, I, I honestly i i think what happened here was better writers came along and they just forgot yeah. about all the scott wells stuff and they forgot about the plastic surgery and that's fine by me like if if, if they want to break canon that you know it's worth it for an episode like this and rose is not taken where they kind of break canon as well and speaking of that interview with Scott Wells that they did, there was something very heartbreaking about that interview, I thought. There was a melancholy or a sadness to it because he, he seemed like he was really trying at the time and he kind of knew that he was in trouble and, you know, that that I think he he had only been recorded two episodes or maybe one episode at the time of the, one episode at the time of the interview and that. But and anybody, you can check that out on the Superboy The Legacy YouTube channel and everything. It's 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 very worth If you're any kind of a fan of, of Superboy, the TV show is definitely worth checking out. Um, but Lena then... Or, Lena Lana goes in and uh, manages to kind of hook herself up to the machine and reminds Superboy reminds Clark that he's he's not Lex and pulls him out and then she discovers that Lena has actually faked her own death because she's disgusted by Lex and doesn't want anything to do with him and doesn't want to be associated with Lex anymore and she brings Lena then to uh, to Lex's hideout and she basically reiterates that to Lex's face which kind of breaks his heart Uh, she's like that yeah, I, what I thought was interesting was, like, she goes to find Lena, and, like, she doesn't want to help, and she's like, he's terrible, and Lana's like, well, he actually did save you from that situation, like, she points yeah. out that, like, he, like, got her out of her horrible domestic life, I mean, I would get why, but she she would want to be his BFF or whatever, but, I mean, she's a little harsh on him, if, if, she, if her main reason for not liking him is killing her parents, I mean, who knows, maybe it was after that she really didn't like him, but I think she was a little harsh, huh? Well, yeah, ab- I, I, abuse, I, abuse survivors, they react to things in different ways, you know. I, 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 well, I, I kind of got the impression, though, that filling in the lines of my own canon was that he he got her out of that situation. And then after that, when she was living with him, she realized he was basically just another version of her father again and controlling and abusive in other ways. But uh, I thought she was I thought that actress was was, was good as well. And like that whole scene where, where she comes in, forgetting about the fight, there's a fight between Superboy and, and the android Lex and stuff. But that whole scene there where he she kind of tells him what she really thinks of him. And then he turns around. And I don't remember the exact quote, like what he's like, I never loved you anyway. You know, I don't love anybody and I'm, I'm going to let the world to, to be destroyed. Um, I, I just thought it was very powerful for the Superboy show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I just think it's and and there's that beautiful bit at the end where the robot Sherman Howard, who you know decides to save Lena and cancels the countdown, and he's holding his his hands outstretched like this, and he's just holding them perfectly still. Remember that yeah. this is an actual man doing this, and you're just completely convinced that he is an android that has been shut down. I just yeah, I think he's so so. And you have the tear, you have the single tear running down his face, and well, uh, yeah, Sher- Sherman Howard, man, like I, I'm really impressed with what I've seen from him and acting wise too, because he's like he could be your kind of silly, goofy, laughing around, saying puns and weird stuff, and then just like totally change gears because he like self destructs the robot when he's like, please yeah. don't leave me to the sister. I'm like, holy. <laughs> Like I know yeah. that was, that was cold blooded, man. So I, I'm I'm really impressed by him. It's like now it's, his hair. They they make his hair to look like a bad toupee, I guess. Yeah. Or I I, I, I think, what does it do with his hair? <laughs> I think the problem with the hair was that you know he was never a series regular. He was only a guest star. So in order like that, they couldn't just ask him to shave his head every day like Michael Rosenbaum. So mm. they, they did do bald caps from time to time. But I, I, I think the reason they didn't do it the whole time was just that it would take too long. So they get around this by, as, as Zach said, they, they make his hair up slightly different each time to make it look like he's wearing a ridiculous wig. And it does. It, it never looks great. But yeah, it's 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 just one of those concessions. But it's supposed of, of a to be a toupee, so it does work like in story. Yeah. Like, oh, that looks like bad hair, but it is bad hair, so it works. It's just you you have to remind yourself. Like, I liked how the the uh, psycho disc projection was bald like Luther. Yeah, like you you need yeah. like that's an essential part of the character. I, at some point, he needs to be bald. I don't care when, how, when it mm. happens. That's a defining characteristic. And as long as you can just acknowledge that at some point do it and they do it so good for them and to their credit they do that throughout the series like there's always little there's like a scene here and there where sherman howard will be wearing a bald cap and you're like oh yeah he's actually bald wearing a wig the whole time you know um i i will say as much as i like sherman howard specifically in this episode i think he's so good there are moments where i think he strays too close to being the joker um like definitely yeah, that when, when he's, he's maniacally laughs at random things perhaps yeah like when he's maniacally laughing or like even at the start where he's doing the radio broadcast and he's you know very <laughs> joker. Yeah. like that that's that's yeah that's the joker it's not lex Luthor, and he definitely does stray that bit too far sometimes and i often wish that they'd kind of pulled him back because when he's good he's just so so good and that's is that, is that kind of a post Jack Nicholson influence? Do you think kind of a you yeah, know nineteen 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 twenty one? Definitely no. W- no, I definitely think it's that. Yeah. That was, oh yeah. It's it's one hundred percent. He's channeling Jack Nicholson, but like wh- when he's playing Lex Luthor, you know he's he's really really good. So I have a non Lex Luthor question about this episode and the series. If you guys have an answer, is this the first time Superboy and Lana kiss? Oh no. <laughs> Okay, because they make some huge deal, and I was like, "Oh, is this the is this the this is the, okay, this is the fourth season?" So I guess they've kissed before now. But yeah, they, they, they okay, kiss a fair lot, enough. and every time they kiss, they really go for it, and it's kind of right? like I was like, "What am I watching Smallville now?" They're like, because I mean, <laughs> each other's faces. So yeah, it's like full anyway. on tongue. It's like Gerard mm-hmm. Christopher is just like going for it with Stacy Hyduke, and you're like, "Okay, right, this is the show we're watching at like two two p.m. on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon." After my secret identity and Dracula the series or whatever some set of shows were. Fair enough. So do we have any final thoughts, uh, Rob, I'll start with you? Uh, final thoughts. I would just say that if, if for whatever reason you bought season one of Superboy back in 2006 and thought, what the hell is this? I would say just go back, give it another chance. There's episodes like this that are well worth checking out. I think this is... Yeah. 
I, my, my larger point about this episode is that all the episodes we're going to discuss tonight are kind of straddling the line between being character driven and plot driven. And I think this yes. is the only one that perfectly marries character and plot in the best way. And that's why it's my favorite episode of what we're going to be talking about tonight. So, And would you say it's a good episode for Lex Luthor overall? Yes. Perfect. And Zach, um, any final thoughts for you on this one? Yeah, I'm again impressed by a Superboy episode. Uh, the things Rob was saying when we started this part of the conversation about the production value, like I was like, wow, Superman crashed Superman. <laughs> Superboy crashing into walls through ceilings and like very dramatic lighting. I was I was impressed. I mean, obviously it's a low budget show, but they, they did the best they could. And, and I really liked how he was in the dreamscape and everything was like a slightly different feel. And so they really saw what they were doing here. And yeah, there's some cheesiness here and there, but uh, ultimately this is a really interesting character study uh, on Lex Luthor incorporating uh his sister which the which all versions almost of Lex Luthor forget about very often so when you um when you do play her importance in his life and and to your point Rob his his, his weakness is his humanity right his love for his sister uh that's very interesting and then it even shows you like how he thinks about love too right because he's like he yeah. created his sister as the the kid robot version that he remembers when he was a kid and not like how she would be in real life so that that's insightful as well to show you how warped his mind is so that was it, it was really good really good episode yeah and it's a real kind of a stalker kind of version of love it's that kind of twisted yeah. mentality of you know it's it's control and it's thinking that she's perfect and almost one and i i, I get the impression that that's what the issue maybe became in the relationship was that lex wanted to keep her as an eight-year-old girl and maybe when she got older and she became a teenager and she became her own woman that became an issue for him and then he kind of turned more into his father maybe i'm reading way too much into it i don't know and the other the other important thing before we move on completely like superboy (laughs) is experiencing lex's perspective of those events he's not experiencing the events as they happened so like in in lex's memories lena loves him and she's just this perfectly supportive little angel whereas actually she may have been like what the fuck is wrong with that guy you know (laughs) yeah um, that's a great point actually i didn't think of it that way that's a great it, point and the nature versus nurture thing here too right because Superboy he comes out he's like oh man that's that's terrible and she's like well you didn't turn bad he's like yeah but i didn't live that he did and so they they, they add some there's some some sympathy for the villains which superman should always have yeah it's easy to for be his villains it's easy to be the good guy when you're growing up with john schneider and netto tool <laughs> <laughs> um rob do you want to give it a rating out of five uh, five uh, Sherman Howard wigs out of five for me. <laughs> this is my favorite. Episode, oh, yeah, it's, it's as good as it gets. What about you, Zach? I mean, uh, by that scale, I, I guess I would say five psycho discs out of five. I mean, I, this is probably based off what you guys have said and what I've seen. Superboy at its finest here. So, yeah, we re- I, I just want to clarify again, we really are stacking the deck here <laughs> when it comes to quality <laughs> Superboy episodes. Oh, yeah, I but, cannot uh, yeah. wait to get back to some really shitty ones, by the way. There's yeah, and, and those are some of the so, those are some of the fun ones. And we might we were talking earlier on about maybe our next character study, which uh, Robert tells me might include a very uh, might include a bad one. But uh, yeah, I have to agree when it comes to what I've seen so far of Superboy. Um, it's five out of five for me as well. I think this is a, is a gem of an episode and a, a great character study into Lex Luthor's background. Um, one of the better Lex episodes of television that i've that i've seen so far so yeah absolutely i highly recommend people check it out and you can still for anybody again like rob said anybody who wants to get these uh box sets you can still get them um handily enough and easily enough on ebay especially if you're living in the states and you don't have to pay imports and stuff they're not cheap 
you know, kind of forty, fifty dollars, probably seventy, eighty dollars for us over here, Rob, to get them shipped over. But I highly recommend people get them. And if you are in the United States, or even if you're not in the United States and you have a VPN, you can watch Superboy for free on Tubi.com. So check that out. Excellent. We'll move on to the next episode. Uh, we're going back home to 1990s Metropolis, where we feel most comfortable. Rob, you have your slippers on there, and your your dressing gown. I see. Um, one of one of I have to say, um, I kind of forgot about this episode of Lois and Clark. Um, it's one of the earlier ones. Um, it's meant to be the second episode, Rob, isn't it? It, it actually played as the third, but it's meant to be the second episode, I think. Yeah, and I don't know why they didn't have it as the second episode. It's really weird because the uh, the episode they have as the second episode on the DVDs isn't as good as this one. So it's no, really weird. and it it does make sense in the run because a lot of the kind of the questions that Lois has in this episode have been answered in the previous episode, yeah. and the, there's kind of continuity issues there. So I don't know what the issue was. This was a uh, huge uh, episode. 102 103 gate uh, thing. Our friend Matt Shrooks on Lois and Clark's his podcast. They talked about. It. They even interviewed. The writer at some point and they didn't even know it's like it's just one yeah. of those strange network decisions it's like why did you flip those i i have um, a theory i have a theory on why but we'll get to that okay. okay um so we are talking about season one episode three slash episode two whichever way you want to look at it of lois and clark the new adventures of superman titled never ending battle it was released october 3rd 1993 uh, directed by Gene Reynolds. Runtime was 47 minutes and the synopsis is even as Lois tries to learn about Superman, Lex Luthor decides to test the superhero himself for his threat level. Short synopsis there. Um, so guys, just overall, what do you think of, the, of this episode? Do you remember this from previous? Have you seen this one before, Zach, or anything like that? Or is this your first time? No, I, I've seen it before. I, I believe I first saw it when I got the DVDs for Lois and Clark. Uh, in 2006, the year of Superman, when they released everything on DVD, and, and I watched uh, season one in college, and uh, I'd seen, you know, I'd seen bits and pieces of Lois and Clark over the years, obviously, but uh, start to finish is the first time I'd seen season one, and and I really love John Shea as Lex Luthor. I mean, he's my number two right after Michael Rosenbaum, and um, episodes like this are why, like everything around, you know, he he out, he is definitely the standout in all what yeah. he's got going on in this episode. There's there's some silliness and whatever going on around and other plot lines, although I do enjoy them um but yeah just I, I really love just his monologues in this episode i mean yeah. j- to to jump ahead to the end like his whole monologue about you know superman is he's he's unrelentingly good because of that i will win i was like you know that that there's always stuck with him like this yeah. is a good like what are you all about <laughs> modus operandi for lex luther uh you really understand that here and his frustration of because this isn't the like we were best friends and you betrayed me like all that other stuff right uh this is like business mogul guy Man of the people, everybody loves him. Yep. His his spotlight has been taken away to somebody else, and the opening of this episode just perfectly like summarizes it because he's going through newspapers like Superman this, Superman that. Lois Lane cancels on lunch form, so he calls her, and then her voicemail is, uh, "But if it's not about Superman, don't bother to call me back because yeah. that's all I care about right now." And he just hey, it's 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 perfect. It shows you why this guy would be so frustrated, and that's the angle that Lois and Clark takes, and and this is him just trying to figure out Sun Tzu, right? No thy yeah. enemy. So that's what this episode's all about with him. And Rob, what about yourself? Is this one of your top tier episodes or where does it fall for you? Um, so there's two things I'd say about that. The first thing I would say is if you want to know why this is my favorite version of Superman in any medium, you may look yes. no further. Like everything about these characters and this world and why I love it is evident in this episode. That yeah. being said, I think as an episode, it's kind of meandering a bit. Like there's no real, like I was talking about, you know, 
the the balance between a character driven episode and a plot driven episode this is an entirely character driven episode and there's not really a plot to speak of and it kind of just trails off into nothing at the end and that's why mm -hmm. i suspect that they put it as number three instead of number two because they're like there's no real climactic superman action rescue thing that happens in this episode there's just loads of little bitty ones and yeah the, the, the episode is mainly propelled by the characters and what they're doing and what they're about and i love that about season yeah. one of the show that they were kind of brave enough to open it up to the ensemble instead of just lois and clark um, yeah. and i think lex Luthor is very very well represented in this episode it's possibly not the best lex Luthor episode but it's it's also kind of the most iconic in that it sort of shows off what he's about in the best way and i think that's yeah. why we chose it um but yeah that, that's that's kind of where i'm it, it has my favorite perry white moment ever in any movie. same <laughs> is, it, is it about mr foot uh it, it kind of um we'll get to mr. it because we'll to i it. definitely mr. want rob to do the impression yes yeah. mr foot um I have to say, I forgot before I watched it. Uh, it is an episode that I've seen countless, countless times, but I forgot what a wonderful character study of, like you said there, Rob, of all the different characters it is, you know, of, of Lois, of Clark, of Jimmy, Jimmy, uh, of Perry, of Jimmy's relationship with Perry, of of, of Lex Luthor. Um, it's it's just an all around great. And it would have been, a, I, I think it would have been a great second episode. I know like Strange Visitor, I think, is the actual second episode uh, as they aired. And they have that kind of finale where, you know, Lois and Clark are pushed out of the plane and Clark jumps out and saves her. And that's all very interesting and stuff. But I think overall, as an adult viewer watching this, uh, I would have been very impressed with this as a second episode. It really kind of re establishes again who everybody is and what's going on. So will we go through the um, we'll go through the, the plot points. Um, so the overall story is basically that Lex Luthor wants to test Superman to see what he's made of, both kind of power, superpower wise and uh what kind of metal he's made of in, in terms of his 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 um his resilience um i i really enjoyed it i liked it it's something that lex luther would do i have a question about about our first scene with lex on the balcony lex is sitting on the balcony it's morning time he's got his man servant there Savvy. two geisha girls come out and for some reason that i just can't explain i never noticed it before in my life they 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 hand him like a scooter or a something stick. A pogo, pogo stick. stick. Yeah. What is the? What's that about? Anybody uh, know? It's the nineties. <laughs> your guess. It's the nineties. We have quirky hobbies. Why not? Why not a pogo stick? What's the difference between a pogo stick and racquetball or, you know, any of the other weird nineties hobbies that people stuff have? that they do? Yeah. It was very nineties looking too. It was like green and pink, and it was like. I guarantee yeah. that's what they, they were. It was another thing where the writers were kind of going, "Look, we're having fun here, everybody. You know, let's yeah. just." Let's let, let, let's just take it easy, you know, and, and I like that about this show. It's 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 never afraid to kind of say it's never afraid to wink at the audience, which I think Superman things should do. I don't think everything and should be bleak and serious all the time. John Shea seems to be loving playing the part. He seems to be having a lot of fun with it. I know he was kind of he had a hard time at the time because he was living in New York and flying back and forth and all that kind of stuff. But he seems to be having a, a great time with it. Um, he's falconing. Is that what I is that what I call it? He kind of has he is, I presume it's a falcon. And the Falcon is killing pigeons and he's having a lot of fun with it. But like you said earlier, Zach, he's getting uh, he's getting fed up of the limelight that has been stolen from him by the man in the red, blue and yellow. Um, he's all over the papers. He, uh, Lane, uh, he has the same motivation as the Joker from Batman 89. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's stealing his spotlight. 
Get all my press. <laughs> um, Lois cancels a date on him. She calls. He calls Lois. She says, unless it's to do with Superman, you know, don't bother. One of my favorite scenes in the entire series then is uh, the apartment scene. Um, when uh, when uh, uh, CK goes over to inspect the, 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 the apartment and Lois follows him over. That whole thing with the guy from arachnophobia and he, he gets the apartment and he does up the apartment in split seconds. Great sight gag. Really like it. Rent $900 a month for Metropolis. What do we think? Ooh, that seems <laughs> steep even for the 90s. No? I like it. Well, it's, if Metropolis is a New York type, that's, I mean, sure, right? Well, no. Yeah, it's a really nice yeah. apartment. I really like that apartment. I, I it, read, it was when he was finished with it. fixes it up. Yeah, yeah. It fixes it up. I, I, I've read people saying that they were paying $100 for rent in Manhattan in the 70s. So is it, are, we, are we really saying it's going like nine times as bad as that? Well, like... I mean, hamburgers were like 10 cents in the 70s, right? And they were a dollar in the 90s. So Yeah. And point. over here yeah. in the States. Yeah. So. <laughs> email us with the with the with the if you lived in Manhattan in the 1970s what were you paying in rent uh, email us allstarsuperbot at gmail.com I know how Lois Lane afforded that apartment in Superman the movie with a roof top terrace with the roof yeah. it's got a better place than Lex Luthor so. it's bigger than Monica Keller's apartment um <laughs> So, yeah, so Lex addresses kind of, a, a, I like this, it, it's kind of like an intergang situation. He's kind of got the, the podium and he's got this secret room and he's got all these kind of uh, henchmen and, and he's he's basically explaining why he's going to he's going to test Superman. Uh, Sh- interesting to thing- uh, Miguel Nunez Jr. in this scene. He's the kind of fast talking uh, black guy. He's just a great character actor. He's in Return of the Living Dead. With uh, Superman Returns star uh, James, what's his name? Ben Hubbard, that guy. I forget his name. James Karen. James Karen. Yes, he's also in that movie. He's awesome. He's in an episode of Knight Rider. He's also in the Joey spinoff. The Joey spinoff. He's wow. in a whole season of that, and he's... I knew I'd seen that guy. He's familiar, yeah. so he just he just is around his character actor. He looks very really familiar to me. He's so. just been around for a long time. He's great. I love him and everything he's in. Probably doesn't get a lot of shout outs. So Miguel, if you're listening, please come on the podcast. And the the female actress is Monique Sharon Crosby. Stone. Yeah, uh, the, the the female character is uh, the actress is Monique Crosby, um, Bing Crosby's daughter, um, who oh, was wow. famous at the time. She was uh, she was. Let me get these characters. See Wait, she, I... she's Bing Crosby's daughter. Yeah, yeah. Because she's... Denise Crosby is Bing Crosby's granddaughter. Yeah, I think it's. What Denise... is with the Crosbys in the show? I think it's Denise Crosby's aunt. You should know this, Zach, because you are a Texan and. She was Sue Ellen's sister in Dallas, Ooh. and part of the reason that Jr. was shot because he's a fair. Time. I, I think she's actually. I think she's actually the woman who shot Jr. You know the who shot Jr. Yeah, I who think it was. I know that's a yeah. cliffhanger. I think it was history. Monique. Yeah. I think the answer is Monique Crosby from uh, Lois and Clark: The New Adventures of Superman. If my Dallas uh, memories, I, I remember Dallas from being. Oh, so so after Denise Crosby quit Star Trek, she was looking for work and called her aunt, like, "Hey." Did you get me on that show? That oh yeah, yeah sure. Denise, I forgot. Denise was on this too. Yeah, yeah. Well, she was yeah. in a few episodes in season two. So. Yeah, it that's right. Jr. That you are not faster than a speedboat. <laughs> um, so we have these tests set up. The first test is that uh, we've got a, a guy jumping off a roof. Superman flies there as soon as he saves him. Straight away, direct line of sight. Uh, Monique jumps off the jumps off another roof. Well. Well, pushed Nigel off another by, by, by Nigel with the Tony cane. J. Okay, Brilliant. Tony J is fantastic. I love Tony J. He's the evil Alfred of this of this show. So. They never should have gotten rid of Nigel. 
I think Nigel should have been at the whole way through. I For think sure. super. Well, I, I think they got rid of him in a really good way, though. Like he he came back in season two, even after Lex was dead and they did some cool stuff with him. He's so, so good. He's also in the Spider-Man show as. Um, Is he? The Doctor Strange villain. What's he called again? Uh, Dormammu. He plays. Not oh. Dormammu. Not Dormammu. The other guy. Um, uh, more, 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 the mystic. What's his Mordo? Baron Baron Mordo is that his name? B- Mordo the Mystic. Yeah. Yeah. He, or he, no, that's he... uh, Watchmen. I think Mordo is correct. I'm mixing all my comic book stuff together, but yeah. Yes, she would tell Edgeyfor's character from Doctor yes, Strange. Correct. He's he's also <laughs> definitely in an episode of Batman the Animated Series. He's he's a fairly prolific voice actor as well as. Oh, and in... he's the villain in Hunchback of Notre Dame, which is a very yes. underrated Disney movie from the late is, '90s. So. Is he one of um uh Diana Troy's mother's? boyfriends yes at one point yes he almost marries loxana troy on star trek the next troy, there it so. is yeah yeah this guy is go. all over the place so i i love how he's just evil alfred like <laughs> they, they don't even try and hide it he, like he very much even has the same backstory as evil uh, uh, i love i love nigel yeah. he's, I, I, I nigel's definitely better than asabi the next test then is that lex has a bomb threat phoned in to uh i, I didn't know what it was a bank or something yeah and bank, yeah. yeah uh he has a bomb threat phoned into a bank superman turns up bomb detonates superman is fine and as as the tests are going on we get these little one-liners you know faster than a speeding bullet after the jump and you know man of steel, man of steel after, i liked all that it's it's Which hammy I mean, and cheesy but i liked it you know that that stuff it's very hit or miss on shows I and mean, small yeah. does it way too much yeah. sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but lois and clark you know if you're gonna have somebody say it have john shay say it and you're like okay i'm buying what you're putting down so i i want to create a segment on the show where i call out the uh the just like incredible police work or just questionable police work and the cop explains the fact that they found the camera at scene cctv camera and the bomb was radio controlled this is like 15 minutes after the bomb exploded that is the quickest forensic work i have ever seen where's that guy i want him working in our in our police station (laughs) um ck talks to his parents he tries to get the stain out of his uniform i love all that stuff like what would it be like to be superman it's a bomb stain mom i don't know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he's scrubbing away. And they uh, yeah. reference that they're getting close with the costume, which which implies there have been changes, which again plays into being the second episode, not the third. Yeah. Uh, and even in this very episode, I got this is a good time to point this out. You the co- there's the the uh, the two kinds of costumes with like the one with the shoulder straps. That the really good one and the bad one. Yeah. yeah. Horrible low neckline, horrible shoulder straps, and then you, there's literally a scene. Which by the way, did Lois and Clark do this a lot? These scene transitions with like wipes. I was taken aback yeah. by one of these in this episode because it's the scene where, where Superman goes to confront Lex. No, I then, don't think so, actually. There's a wipe. It's like a Star Wars wipe from like him standing in his suit to him at home talking to his parents in a different suit. Yeah. It's like if you didn't make it wasn't clear that they were using two suits. And the worst part about it is they use this worst costume of stock footage throughout the rest of the show. And it's horrible. It looks it's horrible. Suit and with it's that a horrible, horrible cape. And the scene could have been saved if they just had him be wearing like a shirt you know like there's so many great <laughs> yeah, scenes he's where he's at home with the kids you know like there's so many great scenes where he's talking to martha and jonathan without his glasses on he's just wearing like a shirt and jeans like just do the scene like that does he even need to be dressed as superman but they as you said that the continuity is just destroyed by his cape just suddenly melting all over his chest it's weird uh i have a question here about clark's intelligence uh, he, he suspects <laughs> the fact he he suspects the fact that he's been tested okay uh with the with the jumper and the uh the bomb why doesn't he immediately suspect lex luthor 
Why would he? I mean, he's new in town. But did they not have that whole thing at the end of the first episode where he's like, like it's clear there's going to be a rivalry and that Lex was behind the, the whole, begin, let the games begin is literally the line he point. says. And then like two days later, there's bombs going off. I did research and these people used to work for LexCorp. I yeah. just, I was just wondering why he didn't just make that, you know, that, that connection a little bit quicker. Um, Clark I is comically to... naive in this episode. Comically, yeah. Naive. Like the whole thing about him not realizing that there'd be a big media circus around. Like he's literally a journalist. How did he not know that? Like it's, it's bananas. Like he is a little boy in this episode. You know, as much as much as I love it and all that kind of stuff. Part of yeah. why I wish they would do a modern remake of Lois and Clark is just all these examples of wow that is not what a person would do or act <laughs> in this situation yeah. it's just totally inconceivable i like that good farm boy naivety about him though as well in the modern 90s world i like that though i, I think it's part of the charm too i don't know i like that too um the the, the running gag well not it's not a gag but the, the the kind of the b plot story one of the b plot stories is jimmy's frustration with the way he's treated by Perry White. Now, I really want to get into this scene for a couple of minutes because it's a great scene. Jimmy's getting sent on donut runs. He's uh, Mr. Foot. You know, did you, you know, I have just the job. Did you get Mr. Foot fixed yet? And, you know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, there's a great scene. And Rob, I want to talk to you about it a little bit because um, I know it's one of your favorite scenes. It's definitely one of my favorite scenes. Uh, and I'll get Zach's thought on it as well. That the, the, the entire scene where Jimmy gets frustrated, comes in to speak to Perry White and... Perry tells a story about Elvis. Now, this is how I like to remember the king. Not like the last time I saw him, December 1976. Jimmy, he was like a cross between a neon sign and an ice cream van. Shoulders drooped forward. His eyes stared out in the open. And there was a crack in his voice I ain't never heard before. Must have been pretty hard, Chief. Hard? Why, Jimmy... It was one of the greatest things I'd ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> it, it was. Get... It's just such a great little, like, it, it, it has nothing really to do with the story, but I just think it's just, a, I always remember. <laughs> nothing to do with Lex Luthor. It has nothing to do with Lex Luthor. <laughs> no, nothing at all. But I just think it has such a great, it's such a great little scene. I just think it's, I, I, I just think it's wonderful. What do you think? I love Lane Smith as Perry White. Yeah. He's, he's will always be the best Perry White. I don't know how anyone could replace him. Just, just because they get this, this quirky Elvis thing, it just became part of his character. And it just, you're like, yeah, that fits. It totally fits. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a marketing reason. There's no cynical reason for him to be an Elvis fan. It's just like, Hey, people do Elvis. This guy would around the same age would have been an Elvis fan. Like it works so well. And I just, and even the smaller moment before that, where he's like, all right, I need a photographer down there. And, and Jimmy's like, I'll go, Chief. And he's like, what about Mr. You got Mr. Foot fixed yet? He's like, Chief, Mr. Foot can wait. The hell it can. <laughs> That's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> it was just like so good. And then obviously the, 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 the lesson is he's being hard on Jimmy, so Jimmy learns to stand up for himself. So yeah. there was a method to this madness, but yeah. it was very entertaining madness. And this yeah. is the kind of stuff I've heard you guys talk about, you know, with on this show or with Matt on his show. Like these were Jimmy and Perry were some fun characters in this first season or so. And then as they say themselves at the end of season two, I think, or some supporting characters in some TV show. I'm like, yeah, yeah you really are. <laughs> I, I really the, the whole thing is that like he he's trying to get Jimmy to fix his uh, big Billy Bass that you know that the singing <laughs> Billy Bass. Big Billy like, Bass. I really yeah. want to. You guys even know what that is? That was huge. Yeah, over there in the 90s. yeah, yeah. Okay. We, I didn't know if that was international or not. Yeah, yeah. Like my dad had one when I was a kid, but like 
I'd love to just uh, edit in the scenes from The Sopranos. I don't know if you guys have seen The Sopranos. Like the, the, the Tony Soprano yeah. gets a big Billy Bass uh, as a birthday present. And, and the causes him is, uh, kind of a, a PTSD, doesn't it? PTSD. And like there's all these scenes of like a bit like a CGI animated big Billy Bass, like speaking to him with uh, big pussy's voice. Is that his name? The character who yeah. kills? Yeah. Like I, I really want to edit that too. in. And it's like Elvis talking <laughs> to Perry Spoiler White. Spoiler alert. To a, to a, a big Billy Bass. Yeah, I love it. Um, and then we get into then we get into one of our a, a really good uh, Lex Luthor moment. I think one of two or three very good Lex Luthor moments in this. We have Lex. He's trying on uh, materials for tailor made suits. Uh, he gives this old tailor uh, a re- very unrealistic timeline. Uh, you know, he wants what is it a dozen of each in two days, and mm-hmm. you know, just he gets what he wants when he wants it. There's no questions asked. Clark arrives or Superman arrives, and there's this kind of you know macho showdown where superman's like you want to see how strong i am he picks up a sword and he bends the steel and you want to see how fast i am and he takes up a gun and he awkwardly shoots it at, uh, at lex luthor and then catches the bullet and lex looks genuinely kind of scared or worried or put off but then composes himself in a millisecond and superman kind of with you know assertiveness says these tests stop now and Lex turns around and he's like, well, I'm not admitting that I'm involved in these tests, but let's say they don't stop. Let's say they continue. And he basically tells Superman that as long as he keeps being Superman, the people in Metropolis are going to die. And Superman is shaken by it. And I think it's a great scene for Lex Luthor. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, this is great. I love how you point out that he was truly afraid. He's like, oh, crap, yeah. this guy could just kill me right now. But then he does it. And he's like, oh, well, then he's never going to. So I have power yeah. over you now. So that's when he realizes that. Uh, I, I gotta say though, it's so bizarre to see Superman pick up a gun and shoot Lex Luthor. It's one of the weirdest I thought it was so strange. I've ever seen. Uh, and then he catches the bullet, of course. But I was just it's so bizarre. Do you know what though? That happens in Superman Birthright, written by Mark Wade, and at the time, friend yes, of the podcast, it does. yes, it does. And at the time, everyone he doesn't do it to Lex Luthor. Now he does it to a gun shop owner. It's implied that the gun shop owner sold weapons to kids who went and did a school shooting so like it's a really dark moment and everyone at the time mm. was going oh superman would never do that oh whatever and well he did it like seven years before that and like it, it's another example of kind of comic writers going oh yeah i found this new you know edgy thing that i decided superman would do and it's never been done before it's like nope lois and clark did it like that there are other examples of that including you know examples by other comic book writers we've interviewed on this podcast where it's like oh yeah i came up with this brand new idea for a superman story where he gets an apartment and it's a real it's a real shithole and i was like nope let's <laughs> back to that <laughs> sorry marv wolfman um yeah but yeah it's it's yeah well, i suppose look there's always going to be cross there's yeah, always there's going to be, be similar ideas and, yeah, no, 80, yeah. 80 plus years like, understand uh, uh, there's always going to but yeah yeah i suppose you can't expect these people to read and watch all, all the content <laughs> especially those in clark which um Mind you, everybody we've spoken to about Lewis and Clark seems to kind of have a good memory of it and a good kind of feeling towards it. Kind of, they've the all been very stuff. diplomatic about it. They've all been like, "Yeah, I appreciated it for what it was," which yeah. usually means yeah. I didn't really like it, but fine. Um, I, I did want to point out how perfect Superman hair Clarkin has in all these scenes. It's mm. just like you guys. I know why great you hair. The, the hair switch, remember? Like, if that hair was on Superman, the Superman look on the show would be so much better. But. Fair enough. I know what they did. 
what, what always gets me is when he when he gels it back and he has this kind of line where it where it meets at the back. <laughs> I always think that looks like like this mini mohawk of gelled hair. I always think that looks so strange. I, I know it's 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 not the episode for it, but I I really really like that his Superman hair looks weird and uncomfortable and strange because the whole point of this show, the whole philosophy yeah. of the show, is that that's where he's uncomfortable. That's where it's the thing that he made up and it's not who he really is. So it makes sense that his hair would be slicked back and strange and weird and not true to life. And I, 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 like I that really like that. that explanation. I don't think that's what they had in I mind. I genuinely the time. do. I, I seriously do. do. You? I, I think when it comes to the hair, I think that is what they had in mind. I think the other larger hot takes I have are possibly not. But I think in that particular case, I think that's that they were trying to say Clark is when he's at ease and he has the, you know, the thrown about kind of classic Superman hair. And when he's Superman, yeah. it's this weird, strange deceptive idea that he's come up with that isn't really true well, to I his think, actual personality. Uh, maybe not so many words with the same motivation, but I definitely think they wanted Clark to be the, you know, the, the sexy young, you know, yeah. guy. And that's, I mean, that, if you get the, the Christopher Reeve thing, that's that's not going to fly as the main character there for all those reasons. So it goes with with his persona, with his, you know, the air about him, his assertiveness, his hair, like, he's a cool guy of the 90s. And that's what they wanted to go with. And then, you know, and that, that's what he would want to be as well if he was the real person. So, so that tracks with that. Yeah, that's true. Like, there's not a lot of Lex in this episode, guys. But the, the I was little a little fl- surprised rewatching it. I was yeah. like, this is the Lex yeah. episode. This is the one we're watching. But yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot of Lex Luthor in this episode, but what whatever they do put in here, the the few couple of scenes that they sprinkle through, I think are are solid gold as to establishing yes. who this guy is. He wants that. He it's that relationship where he wants the the rivalry, he wants the competition, he wants to to bring this guy down himself, and the fact that he didn't just give up and head back to Kansas or wherever Lex Luthor thinks he might be from, he he gets he gets joy out of that, and I I like that. What do you think about that, Zach? Oh, I hundred percent love that interpretation of the character even like my favorite episodes of, of Lois and Clark are the season one two part of the finale right yeah and when he's got Superman in the cage right and he's like well 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 the losing the challenge you represent be worse than constantly losing to you and it's like well we're gonna find out right and I think that's that's what this character is all about so I, I thought it was great like like you said Alan I think there wasn't a lot of Lex but every Lex scene like hits and it's true to the character yeah. and it just speaks to why these two guys are their arch ne- nemesis and and just because he's like because he's good he's unrelentingly good and because of that i will win and i'm like that's yeah. that's perfect lex luther right there what do you think rob that yeah that, i think that quote is like textbook lex luther but because he's unrelentingly good i will win and then faust the falcon lands on his line it's brilliant faust the, falcon. The, the, the only thing oh, i'll oh, say is you guys one thing though um yeah. cheerleader cost uniform what yeah is that about? i thought it was strange but then i was thinking that Maybe she's like cheerleader, I, I think i think she's like 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 a pros cheerleader i think she's oh, like, like a, a lakers girl like but an nfl cheerleader yeah but the costume well, looks like a high school um when he's when he's on the balcony they they he, um um his Asabi's man's like, oh, I I your guest you'll be joining her soon he's like yes I feel they pan over they pan over to a chair and there's like what looks like a high school cheerleader uniform draped over the chair oh my goodness that's a prop department fail right yeah because, are you because when you think cheerleader you think high school <clears throat> i know i do but I, yeah I don't know. But Are the, the costume looks me. like. For me, Alan. It's, if, it's, if it's an NFL or, or NBA cheerleader, that's fine. Sorry, guys. Are you trying to imply? Are you trying to imply for one second that a billionaire, <laughs> an upstanding billionaire, would have a relationship with someone who was not of age? That is just preposterous. Eat <laughs> your words, gentlemen. <laughs> My goodness gracious! In 1993, of all years, 
I, I the don't same want year that to Jerry cancel. Seinfeld was going out with a 17 year old I'll cut it out if you want but it's true <laughs> I I do not want to uh, cancel John Chase like Suther so it is a Metropolis Metro's uh, <laughs> professional <laughs> cheerleader that's what it is <laughs> moving yeah, on I don't, I don't know I thought they just did it to show like oh he's a bad guy he's doing bad stuff and I was like okay, I think that could be it though I, I think, no, I think, I, I think you're right though I think it is an innocent Lakers girl type thing I, I don't think yeah. it's supposed to be a teenager what I was going to say though was sorry I, to derail that entire thing but it's just like, I'm, <laughs> I'm delighted I got to get that dig in at, at known Superman superfan Jerry Seinfeld um, I found it odd that Lex would just stop the tests it felt a little bit kind of well, I think I'll just stop the plot of this episode for some reason. Like, it, I, I think, and it comes back to the I, fact that like this doesn't, this episode doesn't really have a plot. It doesn't really have kind of a, a climax. It it sort of just peters off, and I think that is indicative of what the network saw the problem was in season one was that there was all these great characters doing great things, but there wasn't really a narrative thrust hmm. and there wasn't really a big sort of Superman saving people moment in a lot of episodes, and that's why. They came back in a big way in season two with like action-packed episodes. And mm -hmm. then they kind of realized, oh, no, wait, the thing people loved about the show was Lois and Clark having sexy arguments. Um, so I, I just think it's interesting that like this is an early example of maybe why Deborah Joy Levine didn't come back for season two. What I like about it, though, is I, I, I get the impression that the tests were never about the, the physical prowess of Superman, that the mm. tests were always to see what he was made of internally what is you know and i think once i think the, t the test served its purpose i think if he had just run away lex luther would have been overall disappointed with it but it's just he it, it just wanted to see if he's a superman inside and out and he mm. did that and now the games really can begin um he, he kind of knows what he's up against and he knows that he's the genuine article and he knows that he's not just going to bow he's not going to be threatened like lex threatens and he blackmails and he pays off and all those tools that are in his toolkit he can't use them on this guy and i i like that about it i like that he just he's happy and he smiles if he'd been disappointed by the end of the, it's like that episode um I, I can't think of the name of it rob but you know that episode where he has the heat where he increases the heat in metropolis oh, that one yeah oh um, uh man of steel bars is that the yes name of it? Yes, Man of Steel bars and well done, Zach. No, yeah, and you then... see a Lois and Clark super fans <laughs> over here anyway. And and at the end, well, that's an that's an extension of this almost with him screwing around with you know Superman yeah doing things and leave and all that. And at the end of that episode, yeah, like he's failed, but then he sees the, the positive sides. Or Nigel reminds him of the positive Every sides of the fact that aircon has comes. a silver lining. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we finish up then where Jimmy sees uh, Superman's resilience. He's inspired. He goes in. He takes Billy Bass and he throws in the bin. Good for you, son. <laughs> Very good. Love it. <laughs> Um, and yeah, the end, the episode winds up. Lois uh, gets um, gets she she falls for the prank. She goes down into the waste treatment facility. She comes back. Digs she up finds that Godzilla nothing. toy that everyone had. In okay, the so Zach, days. I need to I need to ask you this because you're a Godzilla guy, right? There's obviously mm -hmm. the different eras of Godzilla. Are we saying that this is the Heisei era or is this the Ooh. Showa era of Godzilla? Well, th I I believe this is the well this is the Heisei era of Godzilla okay. here. This is the uh, it. it in the Imperial Toys Godzilla that everyone had, <laughs> like if you see on so many TV shows, use this as prop decoration. I don't know why. Uh, maybe they just they went down the Toys R Us or whatever in, in the '90s in the prop department and just bought a whole lot of them. But yeah, this is. I, I think they came out of these around Godzilla in 1985, and that's why they were so prevalent here in the states and just stayed here forever. Uh, I don't know if this is like an official one or a knockoff one, but it, it's a Godzilla toy, so that that put a smile on my face. 
They couldn't afford Raymond Burr for this episode of Lois and Clark, but they were able to get <laughs> his go, personal <laughs> Godzilla. Toy. He should have had a Dr. Pepper can with him, and then he would have known it was a tie-in <laughs> to Godzilla 1985. Steve Martin himself. Steve Martin, that's right, Steve Martin. So there's some deep cut Godzilla references there, y'all. Look it up. Yeah, these are all over my head. I'm lost with this. <laughs> <laughs> overall, guys, what do you think? Um, would you, do you want to rate it? What do you think overall? Zach, do you want to go first? Yeah, I guess I'd give it four Falcons out of five. Um, really strong Lex Luthor stuff. Yeah. Fun stuff surrounding it, but it doesn't. it's probably less than some of its parts. You know, it doesn't all like tie together. Um, I, I do agree more with Alan. Like, I think like the reason like they Lex is like, okay, we're good with the test. Like his point was proven. He was like, he's going to come back yeah. and keep fighting. So I don't need to mess with that right now. Mm. Uh, although to your point, Rob, it does kind of like, oh, he caught a sign. Like we have like a big uh, tower was going to fall and a big explosion. You needed some big super save at the yeah. end. Because uh, it did feel a little anticlimactic in that way. But uh, but yeah, th- this this episode is is uh, tells you everything you need to know about this version of Lex Luthor and how he interacts with Superman. So four out of five for me. Excellent. You, Rob? I'm very reluctantly going to give this a three uh, for all the reasons I discussed already. I, th- I think it's it's almost like they made an episode out of the series Bible where they just sort of like outlined who all the characters were. <laughs> That's a good way to put it, yeah. <laughs> but but for, forgot to like make a really compelling plot to tie it all together. And yeah, it just kind of peters out a little bit. Uh, I think Lex Luthor is impeccably well presented in it. And it's, yeah. it's probably the d- definitive Lex Luthor for me. But uh, yeah, I just I just wish there was a big reason to really care about what Superman was doing in this episode, uh, as opposed to, you know, everything else that was going on. I love all the Perry stuff. I love all the Jimmy stuff. Uh, but yeah. yeah, no, great, great episode, but just not quite there. Yeah, fair point, fair criticisms. I'm I'm going to agree with Zach. I'm going to give it four pom poms. Um, and I <laughs> four think legally it, consenting of legal age. Yeah. Legal Age pom-poms. Um, I think it's a great episode. I think it's a great. I think it, it's a very strong second episode of a series if it was released the way it was meant to be. Um, I think it shows you exactly what you need to know. If you had never seen the first, the pilot episode, you know exactly who all these people are straight away. Um, I think it's some of my favorite character moments of the entire series are in it. Um, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it, it does fall short in certain areas. So I'm going to give it four. So, yeah. I, I would actually say I forgot to make this point earlier if Lois and Clark <clears> in a perfect world was released as like a Netflix series and all 12 episodes came out at once if this was the second episode it would be a perfect five star episode because yeah. you know yeah. no, you'd know it, that yeah. there was more to come but because yeah, it's a weekly show watching Andor right now but Andor yes. is like you know the Star Wars show because I honestly I really didn't like Obi-Wan Kenobi it was pretty disappointing I thought but I really love Andor and I'm like you know what you don't need a, a three act structure and a climax and all this stuff every episode if things are yep. intriguing and all that's the way mm-hmm. Andor is right now. anyway that, that made me think of that but mm-hmm. uh, as far as like oh this isn't a traditional episode of television yeah absolutely um we move on I think uh I think some familiar territory is calling your name, Zach, and that is Smallville, Kansas. We'll go back to Smallville, guys. Um, So the episode that we have chosen of Smallville is titled Onyx. It is season four, episode 17, original air date of May 16, 2004. Runtime is 43 minutes and directed by Terrence O'Hara. The synopsis reads, an experiment with heated... Uh, kryptonite at Luther Corp causes an explosion which badly wounds Dr. Sinclair, the scientist in charge, and creates a, mole- a, mole- a molecular copy of Lex, which has the evil side of his personality. Um, what do you think of this episode overall? Is it one of your favorites? Is it kind of just a middling episode? Where does this fall for you, Zach? 
Oh, well, this is absolutely one of my favorite episodes. Uh, season four is a weaker season on the show, but there are some mm-hmm. highlight episodes among them, and this is this is one of them. This is like, well, season four kind of lame, but there's some really good ones, and Onyx is definitely one of them. I actually, I, you guys asked me which episode to cover, and I actually put it up to a, a, a vote I saw. for my yeah. listeners, and uh, this got 50% of the vote, so it, it's an overall fan favorite. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you get to season four of Smallville, you don't, is the show going to last five years, six, maybe seven? You didn't know it was going to last ten so we're like, are we going to get to see Lex become Lex, or the, the Lex that we know from the comics? And this gives us a little preview of that in a very creative way. Yeah. Uh, I assume someone watched the original Star Trek episode, The Enemy Within, because that's exactly what this is. <laughs> when when a, somehow a scientific experiment split, or, or, you know, Dr. Jackal or Mr. Hyde, you know, pick your yeah. poison there, I guess. Uh, but a scientific experiment physically splits a person into a good and evil half. Now, that's... You know, that's this the sci-fi version. Now, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is one person, so it makes a little more sense. This is like, where's where's the matter for the second person come from? The, the, you can play all those games all day long, but the point is you got to a really cool conceit of like, here is your full-on evil Lex Luthor, as you all imagine him to be in the future, interacting with these characters, doing nefarious things, just all the cards are on the table with Clark. Their confrontations are fantastic. And, and I really love this episode. And Michael Rosenbaum... Does a great job as full on evil Lex, and he but he still infuses a bit of humor the whole time, which yeah. is which is in character with what this character had been. So it didn't feel like a complete departure from like oh, I am the evil Lex now, right? It was like no, this is an evolution. I could see this Lex turning into that Lex uh, down the road, and that's to, to me that's why it's such a memorable episode, and I'm sure to many fans. Rob, do you want to go next, Alan? I'll go last. Sure, yeah. Um, I didn't really remember this episode at all. And I sat down and I was I was messing with two of you guys while I was watching and going, this is a really, I'm really enjoying this episode. This is really, really strong. One of the strongest episodes I remember seeing. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I liked the, the gimmick of it, you know, evil, good Lex. I, I can't remember seeing it originally, but I imagine that I loved it at the time. I had faint memories of certain aspects of it that I that, that kind of rang familiar. Um, overall, I really enjoyed it. I thought the performances were great. Michael Rosenbaum was on fire in it. Um, I just really enjoyed it. I almost forgot a lot of the time when we um, go back even to things we love like Lois and Clark and stuff and stuff that I would watch in my own time personally just for enjoyment when you're watching it for the podcast you know and you're taking notes and you're 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 concentrating really hard. I actually forgot that that's why I was watching the episode as I was watching it. Um, really enjoyed it. Just got into it. Wanted to see which way it, it went. I had there is a, one or two issues I had uh, towards the end and the things that happened in it didn't really make sense for me um, and I'll highlight those as I go on but overall i thought it was a really strong episode and i think um it's it's definitely worth checking out i really didn't like this episode i've got to be honest <laughs> Here we if, go. you, <laughs> if you are a producer of the talk phil podcast please stop listening now um yeah no like and and i don't mean to keep dumping on smallville like there's episodes of smallville i love i love the talk phil podcast i love zach's podcast you know I just thought this was so by the numbers. Like there's so many episodes of Smallville where someone gets exposed to something and they become an evil or unhinged version of themselves. And it's all a complete get out of jail free card that doesn't count because by the end of the episode, they're back to normal. This is a textbook example of that. I thought that like every scene, it was like, okay, we're in the Smallville Medical Center. Now we're in the Luther Mansion. Now we're in the Talon. Now we're in the barn. We're, we're in all these familiar locations like a soap opera. There's no kind of visual ingenuity. Every kind of camera setup was like, okay, now Lex is at the, the fireplace. You know, now he's talking to Lionel and this. Like it felt like, and I think part of this is because I've been listening to the Talkville podcast. Like they're describing how, you know, at this point, 
they're, they're in season one. They're still figuring out the show. They're still figuring mm-hmm. out how to do these setups right. Now they're in season four. You know that they've been with it for four years. They've know they know what the best ways to do certain things are, and you can just feel that everything is just like by the numbers formulaic. It reminded me of like Robert Beltran talking about Voyager, Star Trek Voyager, how it was like going to work in a factory every day and just making the same thing all the time. <laughs> and I just thought it was really, really unconvincing. It was like, like, I totally get your point about how this is a glimpse of the the incredibly evil, malicious Lex Luthor who would come to be. I have to reiterate a point I made on your show. I just don't think that that's in Michael Rosenbaum's wheelhouse the same way the kind of tragic, haunted you know, bad boy trying to be the good friend, Lex. I think he plays that part really, really well in seasons, you know, in the first kind of four or five seasons of Smallville. I think he's really, really good at that role. When we have to see him become this vindictive, evil monster bastard, I just don't think he's as interesting to watch. And like the only scene where I feel like he really is playing that comic book Lex Luthor is the scene with Lana in the Talon where he's like, oh, Lana, I've always wanted you. Like, why don't you run away with me and be my queen? And then she says no. And he says, well, right, well, guess what? I'm closing down the Talon. Like, great scene on paper. I I don't think he quite, I just don't think it's, like, it's not John Shea, it's not Sherman Howard delivering those lines, and he doesn't quite sell it for me. And then when, when he's going on a mad rampage with the Kryptonite ring, love that they have a Kryptonite ring, by the way. When he's going on a mad rampage with the Kryptonite ring, it just felt like, slasher villain just kind of unhinged and going back to a point i made earlier on the whole thing about lex Luthor for me is that his humanity is what makes him interesting the whole point of this episode is that this isn't that this is lex Luthor released from his humanity like this is totally mirror you or not mirror universe but enemy within captain kirk like he's just totally crazy without any humanity so he's not even technically the lex Luthor he's going to be he's like an even more unhinged version of that so I don't know. It just didn't quite land for me in any capacity at all, I have to say. Zach, I'm going to let you take that. Rob, you're <laughs> never coming back on my show again. Stuff. I mean, I, I thought that I, I, to me, though, that there being two of them was very fascinating because it's like that, you know, it's, the, you know, that story we used to love when we were kids. And like, that's a very Lex thing to do. Mm-hmm. He puts them in because he doesn't know, like, he's like, well, I can't just kill you because that might kill me. So I'm just going to lock you down here forever. And no one's going to ever find you. I'm like, that's such an evil thing to do. But I, I understand what you're saying. I didn't really look at it from the production angle. Mm. Um, to use the Star Trek analogy again, since you brought up Voyager, like Next Generation, sort of Next Generation, the first couple of seasons, whenever they're on the bridge, everything is so dynamically shot and angles yeah. and all that. And by seasons five and six, they're right, just like, okay, where's camera A position? Put it there. So I see what you mean about that. Uh, Smallville is notorious for going to the same sets every 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 episode finding reasons to be there but the uh the wine cellar was actually a new location we hadn't seen that i i I, I was gonna say that 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 is the only completely original set in this episode is that wine cellar and it is a good Mm -hmm. it is a good set and i do i do like the prop they use for the man in the iron mask thing to your point though it, it just again it felt like another tick in the formula it's like every episode we need lex to show how well read he is oh this is alexander the great sword oh this is this you know it's another example of like Oh, well, here's another example of this, you know, great classic I read, Man of the Iron Mask. And here I'm I'm going to explain it to you in a long monologue. Like they literally make fun of that in some of the commentaries on the season two DVD. It's like Lex, Lex has all these long monologues about Alexander the Great and all Clark ever needs to talk about is what plaid shirt he's going to wear to the date. (laughs) Yeah, Clark's always like, oh, pretty cool, Lex. And that's all he has to say. But but I do. But I think it does show the 
the struggle between the good and bad sides of Lex because and how yep. selfless the original Lex is, right? Because the, mm -hmm. the well, the original, like uh, the good to half of Lex is gonna kill the evil Lex. To, he's like, let's see what happens to me if you die. Like he's gonna give his life to help his friend to help save Clark, you know. And so that's uh, and that shows you that's the tragedy of his character because like there was part of him that was would have been loyal to Clark and helped him, but you you know the the evil wins out at the end, obviously in in, in his story. But I just I don't know like for. For for seeing like because you know it's all going to end badly for Clark and Lex and you see them be buddies and you see them have their issues but it was just so kind of refreshing to see Lex Luthor you know drop a ceiling on the mm. Clark yeah. and see him stand up and then have his reaction to that was like ooh you know but didn't didn't that happen in season one already ring. like didn't didn't yeah, Lex, this is the I, this Lex... is the fourth time according to my notes this is the fourth time in the series that Lex has found out that there Clark has yeah. superpowers. Is it the um, four okay, I don't for for certain in season one with the the handshake. Don't, don't ask me to name them. Don't I, ask I me remember to name the, them. I remember the handshake one because I remember watching that one and that was the first the glimpse bullets. you get where Lex is yeah. fully evil and he goes, Oh Clark, I've always wondered what secret you had and now I've found out or whatever. And I remember watching that one with my mom going, Holy shit like and th this was just like oh we're we're doing that again, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I they, don't know. They did the... a much bigger one in season three with the mind wipe and all that stuff in the asylum. But uh, but to to your point, there are many reasons. Oh, you know what? The other one they're talking about, Alan, is a dream in season three. That shouldn't even count. That's when he turns. <laughs> okay, it's the third the time. It's the hand. third time. But yes, this stuff does have diminishing returns when you've seen it over and over and over again. I just really enjoyed what they did with it here, and of course they lift Frank Miller. You know, the one yeah. that beat you. I didn't think that was necessary. Yeah, uh, it's cool. It's like I know what that is, but would Lex say that? We're only saying it because Frank Miller wrote it into Dark Knight Returns. But uh, I, I, I can acknowledge your criticisms, Rob, but it doesn't lessen my my enjoyment of the episode. And nor, nor should it. There, there's plenty of things like, and I wouldn't say that this is a bad episode by any stretch of the imagine. Like, there's there's plenty of truly bad episodes of Smallville we can talk about when you get into the later <laughs> seasons. But like, yes. like I wouldn't say it's bad. It just felt very like aggressively by the numbers. And if I'm not mistaken, this was the lowest rated episode to really? this point. I, I was looking this up. Yeah, it, 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 it had a particularly low viewership um and and it well, wouldn't in the episode before that okay <laughs> fair enough yeah <laughs> and and it, I, um i, I, I had I, a criticism though i it would be lionel like there's a whole oh, here which yeah oh my goodness gracious yes yeah and that was one problem. of the points that's that was one of the points i was going to make about things that didn't really I, I i i do think you're being harsh rob i think like i sit down to to watch it and as someone who just watched an episode, and we'll talk about this when we get to the next show. Hmm. I just enjoyed watching the episode. I knew what was going on. It was fun. It was exciting. I enjoyed just seeing the evil Lex or uh, uh, the version that we were going to get in a couple of years or uh, some version of that. Uh, I just found it really entertaining. I, I really enjoyed it. I have to say I had a lot of fun watching it. But I, I definitely did have issues with it as well. And Lionel was a big one. That 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 turnaround in it, you know, was was so quick. So, look, we won't go through it scene by scene or anything like that. But the, the gist of the story, for anybody who hasn't seen it, is that Lex is doing an experiment. Um, he overheats uh, green kryptonite. It explodes. It turns him into two. Sorry, evil. guys. I'm, I'm not going to do a big thing about this. This exact thing yeah. happens in an episode of Superboy. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> does it really? Because, of course, it does. Super menace. Of course, it does. I, the heat of yeah. kryptonite, it turns into red kryptonite. He turns evil. Yeah, same thing. And we basically have two Lexes kind of gallivanting around and, and, and evil Lex does evil things. He murders the doctor because there's a chance he can reverse the, 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 the experiment. Um, Clark and, and Chloe eventually put two and two together and figure out that there's two Lexes. They make the mistake of, of thinking they're talking to the good one who for the production they called Alexander. Alexander was the good one and Lex was the bad one. And uh, 
he he traps them finds out superman has powers there's a scene here this is really killing me because i was really into it and i was really enjoying it and i was loving the scene in the barn where uh, lex goes and he talks to clark and he invites clark he, to join him and you know they're going to rule the world together with his intellect and their powers and then he clark refuses and he basically shows clark that he realizes that kryptonite can hurt him he has the ring he beats clark up the kents come out he shoots jonathan in the leg and i'm like oh my god what's going to happen and then cut we're in a hospital and that scene is just over and i'm like what the fuck just happened there is is there a the is there most a... overquoted line of dialogue in the entire series i am the villain of the story i know people mm. love to quote that i'm like but that's the offshoot evil Lex from a random one-off episode. It has nothing to do with the greater character arc of the story. Like in isolation, you take it out. It's like, oh, that's so yeah. cool, man. But also, the whole thing appeal of Lex, and I love this episode. So, but still, the whole appeal of Lex Luthor, as we talked about, he doesn't see himself as the villain of the story. Yeah. He sees himself as a hero. So that's so antithetical to, to his character. And to your point, Alan, that scene there, that's very Dark Knight, where yeah. the Joker's at this party, and then Batman saves Rachel, and then. I guess yeah. the Joker leaves the party. It doesn't find Harvey Dent. So that's an odd place to just have them for no follow-up to that immediate threat right there. So. Yeah, I I, just, I was really enjoying that scene. And I remember because I actually paused it to go out and get a drink to come back. And when I pushed play, I was like, how did they get to the hospital? Why did Lex just walk out? How did that scene end? And uh, um, Like, where and, was Jonathan's reaction of like, oh my God, I was right this whole time. God damn it, yeah. Clark. Why didn't you listen to me? Like, that would have been amazing. I yeah, feel that yeah. there's got to be some deleted scene shenanigans there, Zach. Is there? Or... There are a couple of deleted scenes, but nothing along those lines. Like that's okay. evil Lex kills a security guard or something like that. It's, it's very minimal. Um, but yeah, that's. I, I guess Clark quickly explains or whatever. Like, oh, it's just it's a copy or whatever, man. It's you know, but still, it came from somewhere. So Jonathan would have to feel very vindicated after this. So. And the whole Lionel thing, I presume we're talking about the same thing, Zach. The whole Lionel thing is that Lionel is a good guy now. Now, again, I watched this out of context. I didn't see the, the episodes before or the episodes after, obviously. L Lionel has had some kind of change of conscience and he's a good guy now and he's all philanthropic, genuinely philanthropic. And he has a foundation and he's on the straight and narrow and he's he's, he's learned the error of his ways. And Alexander Goodlex um, is, tells him that he's proud of him and that he's proud of his accomplishments and everything and offers to give him a venue on top of Lex Tower and make a donation or whatever. And then when he meets Lex, the evil version, um, he basically withdraws all that and tells him that he's weak and he they end up having a sword fight, because of course they do, and uh, a fencing match. And from this interaction, Lionel completely reverts by the end, and he's just evil Lionel again. Is that, am I right? Very lazy writing, I guess, because they, they've written themselves in a corner, I guess, of Lionel, because they're like, oh, he's going to be a good guy now. And they're like, well... We don't have that much room to do if he's a good guy, so let's make him a bad guy again. And then they and then they go back and forth on that again after after this episode. So, yeah, to think that the catalyst for this whole season long like Lionel Luther character change was, oh yeah, Lex got split into two and his evil his evil half convinced Lionel to be bad again. Um, and I really don't like how they say Luthers at the end, because it's like we're Luthers, son. I'm like, no, you're Luthors with an O R. Yeah. <laughs> okay, like I just, but that's just it's whatever, but. Uh, and then he just goes off and he's back. He's got his because this entire season he's been wearing like sweaters and stuff and like, like friendly Mr. Rogers Lionel or whatever. And then he's got his long trench going on at the end. He's back to being the evil guy and he walks off. And it's just very, a very strange way to, in their mind, the course correct or redirect the, the course of that character. So I know I did not like that. It made no sense. 
I, I, I need to chime in A there. A-plus episode. That's my favorite one. <laughs> I, I, I agree with everything you just said, Zach. I, I, I thought that was so troubling, that whole bit. I thought that the actual sword fight itself was blocked out really, really well. And there's like mm-hmm. great intensity on John Glover's face. Like he's really into it. And like, like you can see like the veins popping up on his head when he has the sword pointed to Lex's face. That's all great. But the flip-flop motivation, it's like something out of fucking Power Rangers. Like, it was really hard. You love Power Rangers. I love Power Rangers. And I love Superboy. And this is as, um, this is as embarrassing as anything they ever did with Scott Wells. and Super- It was really shocking. And you can see how much John Glover doesn't believe in the material. He's not selling those lines in that scene. Where he's like, oh, Lex, I guess I'll be evil again. It's It reminded me of Khan <laughs> in Star Trek Into Darkness. Now I shall embrace my true destiny or something. It was just totally throwaway. I really found it disrespectful to the, the character, the actor, everything. It was just really bad. Zach, I have a question for you because you are the expert on this, okay? Mm-hmm. The, the episode is resolved at the end when uh, Lex mm. is trying to fight Alexander. Superman uses, or Clark uses his heat vision to uh, basically heat up the, the, the kryptonite in the ring, I think. Yeah. Turns into black kryptonite and they rejoin. That was cool. Yeah. Did, am I wrong in saying, didn't Clark already by this time use his heat vision on kryptonite and make it explode and didn't it blind him? This this is a huge thing I always complain about on Smallville because in season three, the episode Whisper, where he gets super hearing, uh, he's using his heat vision and some kryptonite jewelry flies in the way and it reflects on his eyes and it makes him blind for like half the episode. And I'm like, oh, well, that's a really, you know, I really, although that's like probably the worst new powers episode. I kind of don't like how they handle the super hearing there. I thought that's a really clever way to be like, oh, this is why Superman doesn't just use heat vision whenever he sees yeah. kryptonite and destroy it. Great. Yeah. Good job, Smallville. And then... <laughs> Then, like, a year later, he's like, let me heat up the kryptonite with this heat vision. And then in, like, season seven, Kara destroys some kryptonite with her heat vision. Like, guys, we established a rule here. You need to be consistent with the rules of what you established. And so that, that does frustrate me for the rest of the show. Can I, can I give you my fan theory on that, Zach? What is your fan theory, Robert? My fan theory is that Clark is able to ice. He's using his x-ray vision, his microscopic vision. He's able to, he's able to um, figure out the microscopic structure of the kryptonite and determine whether or not it is safe to use his heat vision yeah. to turn it into black kryptonite or wow that is that is know. some serious uh this is a precise temperature <laughs> <laughs> um does anybody have anything else to say about it before we give it a rating is there any more thoughts or anything are we happy enough no we can't. well i like the end where they were like pondering lex is like did the suburban create an evil x or was that in me i'm like no that's that's half of you man like they didn't yeah. just create an evil x there was a good and a bad it was. I mean, he even says, "I am the real X." At some point, so it was. It was a, a variation of of the whole possession. Like, yeah, Smallville very guilty, Rob, of personality changes and possessions yeah. and body swaps. Um, but I, this was a different enough variation where I did enjoy. It, although I do see, I do see the shortcomings of it. Uh, but I, I just, I, I, I liked Rosenbaum as, as this Lex. You know, I, mean, I, I, you know, he is. It's a different uh, flavor of what he's been doing. But I, I did, I did buy him as as that kind of maniacal kind of me too character so and that's and totally what, fair what, and i'm i'm so far in the minority that it's just <laughs> indescribable so i i i'm probably objectively wrong on this it's just the, the, I, I i i really liked the part i really liked the part where you're shitting on the show <laughs> i i really liked the part where lana didn't just forgive him and like you can see mm. that it's the relationship mm. is damaged and that was the question I was going to ask the two because I, I just don't remember it's so long since I've seen season four does that relationship stay damaged for a while after this 
Well, it, it gets repaired because Clark is lying to her all the time, and she goes to Lex for support. Uh, and then eventually she marries Lex a couple years later. But that's of course. Yeah. Yeah. See, see, that's I read that. I read that scene is when she says, "I'm sorry too." She was almost saying, "I'm sorry that I didn't reciprocate the feelings that I have towards you." Now I don't know. But that's I'm not what I got. I got. No, I got that she, the... she's sorry that like he told her that because it made stuff weird. Like that's the friendship is damaged. Yeah, yeah, that the that the her friendship. He, yeah, I can't remember his line that she responds, but I remember that the, the impression I got was that she's sorry that the the friendship is now kind of damaged and the damage can't be undone. So look, I, 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 I just sorry one one final thing I forgot to bring up at the very top, and this this is just a total nitpick. The very very top of the episode. Clark and Chloe rush into Lex's hospital room. He says, how did you know I was here? And Chloe goes, oh, my friend is an EMT. Like, they... they, That is a HIPAA violation of the highest order. They did not need to explain that. They could have just said, oh, Lex, we heard you were in the hospital. End of story. Like, why did they... Why does this 18-year-old have an EMT as a friend? Like... I I have a running counter of Chloe's Unseen Connections on my podcast because of ridiculous things like that, so... But it, it, I, wasn't, I, it, it wasn't even necessary. Like they, they could have just said, oh, Lex, <laughs> someone told us that you were in the hospital. There was no need to refer to this. I, I, I didn't write it down. Friendship. I'm sure this is, I, I didn't write it down. I'm sure this is something that uh, pops up a, a good amount of time, Zach, with with Alison Mack's um, um, history or whatever. But uh, there, there was a scene in it. I didn't write down the quote exactly, but where she's like, she kind of lectures Clark about how you don't really know people or what they're up to in their private lives. And I was like, oh, there are or a what lot they're... of lines like that that I'll smell with it. Her character specifically says, and it's like, oof. guess you never uh, really know anyone, huh? Uh, Rob, I know your answer, but we'll, I'll ask the question anyway. Is it a good episode for Lex Luthor? Um, do, 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 do. I, like I mean, it is like in the context of this show, it absolutely is. It explores his character. We learn a couple of things about him. We learn that you know his he got locked in the cellar. There was interesting little insight into his character. Like it is a good episode for Lex Luthor. Zach, yeah, yeah, it's a great episode for Lex Luthor. And there's two Lex Luthers in. It. So yeah. how can you go three if you count the different variations? <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I agree. I think it's good. I think it's good. I I'll go first with this one. I am going to give this one um, three point five out of five. I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good, strong episode. It's not a game changer or anything like that, but I think I I I really enjoyed it. I'm going to give it three point five. Zach, I got to go five out of five. Kryptonite rings on this one. There, there are cool. some issues, right? But nothing's perfect. And and as as I've rated and watched and enjoyed things over the years, my my five out of five A plus ratings have gotten more and more, you know, um, yeah. uh, softer, <laughs> I guess, over the years. But just the enjoyment factor for me is like, a, a, as a Smallville diehard fan, like it, it really, it's hard to top something like this because this is what you've been waiting to see one day in some form or fashion. And they gave it to us here, and I, I, I enjoyed it. So five out of five. Rob. I yeah again I'm I'm really sorry I got to give this a two it's it just it's, it's so apologetic <laughs> like n- nothing and and there are episodes of Smallville I love there's features there's aspects of Smallville I really really love I I am keen to do a full rewatch soon but no that this didn't do it for me at all it felt like an episode that they describe on Talkville a lot where they're they're like you know every fifth episode needs to be a cheap filler because yeah. you don't have the budget to keep making masterpieces all the time and th- this felt like a filler episode um so yeah no i it's two out of five for me if you watch it in context of everything else going around season four you will appreciate this episode. you will realize that it's actually <laughs> this is the opposite 
<laughs> yeah, season, and, and because season four is pretty rough, Rob. See, see, that's the thing. Like, and I, I am more familiar with Smallville than people probably think. Like, what I liked about season four back in the day was that they kind of got back into the teen drama of it all. Like, there was a lot more just kind of hanging out in high school. Like, Clark's part of the swim team. Yeah. He's playing football. He's going out with like I I liked all that stuff about Smallville, and when they got very plot driven and very oh it's the Kryptonian crystal and it's the disc and it's this. I, that's when I sort of started losing interest because it was less relatable then. It was more just like, you know, comic book stuff and less sort of like, oh, no, he's actually a real guy, you know, the sort of way. So gotcha. I don't know. Maybe I have terrible taste is the, the point of this podcast. Well, if you Zach's like just like, episode. yes, you do. <laughs> if you didn't like that episode, I, I can't wait to get your thoughts on the next episode that we're about to cover. It is... For the first time on All-Star Superfan, we are going to review an episode of Supergirl. Uh, the CW slash CBS. CBS originally, wasn't it? CBS and then CW. Correct. By, by this point, it was CW. But it started on CBS for one season and went to CW for the last five. Rob, why haven't we really covered this show before? It's It wasn't intentional. It just kind of slipped through the cracks, I think, a little bit. It was just... We, we just haven't. Just kind of slipped through the cracks. Um, I... There's loads of Supergirl episodes I really love. I'd I'd love to talk about the show more. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it just it just never really fit. I think when we start, yeah. I mean, like we probably could have done it in the Bizarro episode. We, you know, when we do the Metallo episode, there there is a Metallo episode of Supergirl, and definitely when we do a Mixes Pitalik episode, I want to I want to talk about the Supergirl version. So yeah. th- there's no yeah. real reason it, it just kind of slipped through the cracks. I'm very fond of the show, and I can't wait to talk about this episode. Uh, and we are talking about season four, episode 15, Brother, Where Art Thou, released April 8th, uh, 2019, uh, directed by Tonya McKiernan. Runtime is 42 minutes and the synopsis reads, secretly furloughed from prison due to failing health, Lex Luthor visits his sister Lena to seek her help finding a cure. Savvy as ever, Lena is suspicious of Lex's motives, but when she's forced with a life and death situation, she must decide how truly she feels about her brother um so guys do you did you watch this in the in the original run were you still with the show by this point zach did you stick with it the whole way through i was not with it by this point i'd watched season one and i'd Mm -hmm. watched most of season two by this point though there were so many shows it was arrow the flash tomorrow supergirl just start to be too much and and life and podcasting i'd started always on the smallville by then so i had like smallville to watch again as well so uh i started kind of not keeping up with the Arrowverse other than uh, crossovers. But when I heard Lex Luthor was going to be on, played by John Cryer, Lenny Luthor himself from Superman for the Quest for Peace, I was like, I got to check this out. Uh, so I, I watched all of the Lex Luthor episodes of, of season four because he was in a few after this, but this was his big introduction episode. And I made sure to tune in. And I, and I couldn't wait to see Lex Luthor interact with Superman on, on Supergirl. We even got a flashback. I couldn't wait to see it. And I've still yet to see John Cryer interact with Tyler Hecklin, and I don't know if we ever will. So anyway, that, that, that's where I was when, uh, when I saw this episode. It's so when important watching... to point out, by the way, that Zach literally has a marquee of Superman 4 behind him. So behind him. when right. he Beautiful. says Lenny Luther, it means something. There he is, Lenny Luther, important right out. <laughs> and what about you, Rob? Um, were you still with it by season four? I wasn't, and it was no kind of reflection on the show's quality. I... Well, maybe it was in some way, but I, I, I sort of drifted away from it in season two. I think I think I made it as far as the season two finale and then sort of said, yeah. oh, OK, maybe maybe I'll come back to this eventually. 
And I definitely remember watching some of the episodes with Rain, I believe her name was. And I mm-hmm. just drifted away. Like Zach said, that there was just so many CW. They, they were oversaturated at one point. And, you know, the, the Flash was getting bad. Arrow was getting bad. And Supergirl was gone. And Legends of Tomorrow. And there was all these different shows. And meanwhile... Twin Peaks The Return was on. I was like, I, I oh, want to watch yes. that. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I need to just park these CW things for a few minutes and watch some real kind of prestige TV. And that's the only reason I sort of said goodbye to Supergirl. There was no kind of ill will towards it or anything like that. I, I still plan on going through the whole series at some stage. And I'm the same. I, I It was around, I think I lasted a little bit longer than season two. I think I stuck with it. The chap who played, you, you'll have me here, Zach, the chap who played um, Doomsday in Smallville. Same with him, yes. He played a, ser- a season villain in a season of, of Supergirl. Um, yeah, season four, I think? Well, th- then I made it to season four. I made it to season four, but I didn't finish that that storyline, that episode. It was kind of a, a an allegory for Trump and all that kind of stuff. And I, I just kind of faded out of it. There was a lot of filler episodes and stuff, but... Um, I can't remember if if I made it to this originally. I, I definitely watched this at the time, knowing that John Cryer was was going to be in it, um, and watched a couple of the John Cryer episodes as well. Who I thought was there, there was a little bit of kind of I, I don't know if you guys remember. There was a bit of kind of reaction on Twitter about John Cryer, you know, because obviously two and a half men. That's what everybody kind of knew him from at the time, more so than people like me who knew him as Ducky from the eighties and knew him from uh, 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 Superman Four and all that kind of stuff. To pay the but, flies. Uh, yeah, and I. But as soon as they, as soon as they announced him, well, I thought rocks. he was a great choice. I thought he'd be. I thought he'd do a great job. And I have to say, he is by and far the best thing about this episode. I think John Cryer is a superb Lex Luthor. And um, what are your thoughts on that, Zach? Yeah, you know, I I was going back and forth there for a while. If he was my second favorite, uh, Rosenbaum's my number one. John Shea's mm-hmm. my number two. And I was yeah. like, man, John Cryer. He, John Cryer is solidly my number three Lex Luthor. Mainly because he's never faced Superman. It's like I really can't rank him above, you know, John Shea yeah. or Michael Rosenbaum because he's he's fought not his arch nemesis, right? And maybe he never will in, in live action. Now he had a great scene with Tom Welling in the Christ on the Earth. So yeah. what what yeah. a strange what a strange uh, combination of actors and characters that were. But you know, they had the look of him. The, the first pic- image of him was like in a jail, like with a beard, and I was like, mm-hmm. hmm. but at least he's bald, right? Yeah. Um, now and that goes and that just goes to show how great John Shea is because I really don't care if he's bald or not. <laughs> You know, I mean, they, mm. they they lose the hair in season two with John Shea and they do the thing and then he comes back and he's there. Fine. Sure. Whatever. He's great. Um, but I liked how this was a different look. Right. He had the beard. So that's his thing. Uh, and then he's, you know, I thought he was really good. Uh, and, yeah. you know, comedic actors can really be, do some great villainous performances like because that's where Michael Rosenbaum comes from. He comes from more comedy. And, and uh, I like that. I mean, the, you know, the, the Robin Williams of the world and people that can channel that into something else work. And, and I think that's what happens with John Cryer. And, and I agree with you, Alan. He's by far and away the best part of this episode. And Rob, I'm really interested to get your thoughts on Cryer. Yeah, no, as as soon as I heard that news, I was like, what the hell? That is that is such a weird, like, left field flex. And I love it. I love how crazy that casting director is, whoever they are. And I'm so into whatever this turns out to be. Um, I, I think somewhere in the back of my head, I knew that John Cryer was a big Superman fan. And yeah, I is, knew yeah. that, like, he came to Superman 4 as a fan and he was really, really excited about it. And then Christopher Reeve famously, like, took him aside at the premiere and was like, just so he you know, his heart. <laughs> this is a piece of garbage kind of thing, you know. I was I was so on board for John Cryer as Lex Luthor and I think he is fantastic. I think he's so, so good. He's just absolutely my kind of, my sensibility where Lex Luthor is concerned. Like, he has that touch of kind of Hackman 
goofiness and yep. eccentricity and kind of strangeness about him but he's also just really really menacing and really really threatening and yeah and and like just i i've said i i, I don't know was it on this podcast or elsewhere that i've mentioned that like my favorite types of comic book casting is when you cast someone who doesn't look like the character at all and they kind of have to earn the role through their performance yeah. and that that's why i've never really been on board like i've never kind of fallen in love with henry cavill the way everybody else has it's like i feel like a huge part of why everyone loves Henry Cavill is that he just looks like Superman so perfectly. Whereas like Michael Keaton has, ba- Michael Keaton looks nothing like Batman, but he just embodies the role so perfectly. Heath Ledger is the Joker. Daniel Craig is James Bond. Same thing. And for me, this is the case with John Cryer. He looks nothing like what you would imagine Lex Luthor should, but he just embodies the role so perfectly in, you know, his movement, the way he carries himself, the way he speaks. I just, I, th- I think he's really, really, really good. And uh, and yeah, yeah, he he does rise above the the shortcomings of uh, of the episode. You you didn't go where I thought you were about to go there. So I'll bring it up, uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. No, uh, well, yeah, but I, I did want to mention you know uh, John Cryer right yeah in his mid fifties right mm, playing yeah. with here. I have been. To spin off what you were saying about Henry Cavill, I've been a big proponent of Billy Zane as Lex Luthor for a long yeah. time. Yeah, I think he's fantastic casting. People get mad, like you just like him because he's bald. I'm like, no, yeah. he actually has a great screen presence. He looks fantastic bald. He looks like he walked off the page as Lex Luthor, and he played the villain in one of the most successful films of all time, Titanic. And he did a great job. And I think he's a really good actor. And I think he'd be perfect. And I think they've overlooked him for years and years and years. And every time a new Lex Luthor gets cast, I'm like, oh, maybe it's going to be Billy Zane. And then when they cast John Cryer, I was like, he's older than Billy Zane. <laughs> People have been telling me Billy Zane's too old. He's older. That is fair. So there's still a chance for Billy Zane out there. Uh, but so there was that fact. I'm like, ah, maybe we missed another Billy Zane opportunity. But John Cryer was great. So. I, I, I will say I, I've famous. Well, famously, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I've never been on the Billy Zane train. And you're not the only one who. I you I'm on the Billy Zane train. And, and everyone says that train. you're not the All only person board. I've disagreed with this. I, 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 I think he's fun in Titanic. I think he's a bit buffoonish. And in a way that. I know I often say that I think Lex should be a buffoon. He's he's just not quite the right tempo of buffoon for Le- and I, I, don't, I don't know. I've seen Billy Zane play villains though, other villains and stuff in in, in other films as well. And yeah, he is. He's kind of this the Scorpion King Four. For, wow, wait, what? No, uh, what did I see him in? I, I, I can't. I saw him in something where he Back was like Future Part Two. Very oh yeah, yeah, the X Ray Specs. Yeah. <laughs> I saw him in some movie where he was, where he had kind of, uh, a couple had taken him onto a boat and he had kind of, he was a kind of stalkery and threatening. Is that and that stuff. Kelly Brook scene? The fucking... I have no idea what it is. Yes, I don't it know is. what Kelly it is. From <laughs> I don't yes. know what it is. <laughs> I think, I think, I think, I think, and I, I, I don't know. I think Billy Zane could pull off a more sinister and play that kind of the way Cryer does that sinister and yet that kind of comedic to a certain level kind of a, a part of it. I think he's, I think he, I think he'd be okay. Put, put it yeah. this way. It, it, if if so. he showed up in one of these TV shows, I would have absolutely no objection to it. I think it would be yeah. perfectly fine. I, I just don't think he'd be the guy for like a, a new movie kind of thing, you know. I want to play a game that I'm going to call How Old Is Lex Luthor and How Old Is His Mother? I saw this coming. <laughs> um, so, uh, Rob, um, what is the story with the casting with Lex Luthor? Was that just the fact that they, they'd cast uh, his mother already and then they wanted to give it to, and they were just like, just ignore it, it's fine, or she's his stepmother or something, or is there any kind of... Nope, that's that's 100% it. I, I'd say... All right, okay. I'd say <laughs> with John Cryer... back to young Lex and young Lena in season two, 
okay. and he was much younger and he, this is like teenage like 20 mm. young 20 something lex with hair and and it's like oh okay well then she could play his mom and this and that and then when they they just threw all that out the window the only fan justification i've seen is like oh well you know he exposed himself to the radiation so that's why he's old looking i'm like sure fine whatever uh but it's it's i don't are they the same age as he like is she like three years older? Than him? I think she's like three. No, it, it's happened. Look at Sean Connery and Harrison Ford in in the Last Crusade and stuff. There was only like 10, 12 years between them. Like it does happen, but it it I I find it very noticeable here, um, that they're very similar in age, um, and it's just something even when it's just a painting of her in the in the episode that I was still like, oh yeah, she's playing his mother. Oh, how does that work? Um, but just to go through the episode a little bit, um, we won't go through it scene by scene, and, but and skip so, all the Martian Manhunter stuff. Yeah, we'll skip all. So basically, what happens in the episode is Lex turns up and he's sick. Jimmy gets shot. Lex gets better, and then he kills loads of people and flies off in a helicopter. So, um, because I basically found watching this episode that nothing really happens. Like it's a lot of talking. It's a lot of. And I I said this to you guys off mic um, when I was watching it. I found it really, really frustrating. Like, normally I'm positive about episodes or I try and find things that I like, and I, I did like John Cryer in it. But when we watched the Superboy episode, I was able to sit down and watch Superboy out of context, just watch that episode, knew exactly what was going on, knew who everybody was, enjoyed the episode. It's the one where Clark lives in in uh, Lex Luthor's memories. Perfect. Never in the battle. It's the Lois and Clark episode. Didn't watch the pilot in a couple of years. Haven't seen the rest of season one in a couple of years. It's the one where Lex tests Superman enjoyed it didn't need to know anything else same with smallville have, haven't seen any season smallville in 10 years was able to sit down and watch it lex luther clark kent he's split in two one is evil enjoy it that's fine i think you literally have to watch the previous uh how many episodes 14 episodes of supergirl to know what the hell is going on in this in this in, in this episode i think so much of it is just yes it's it's lex luther and he's here and he's at the start and he's here at the middle and he's kind of sprinkled throughout with this kind of plan that everybody can kind of see coming that he's either faked his illness or that because that's the story. The story is that he's he's got cancer from the kryptonite ring or using kryptonite and been exposed to it. Lena has to get him out and there's a cure and he kind of wants to fast track that cure. And he does that by having Jimmy Olsen shot and she has to use the cure to help Jimmy. Therefore, he can get it and use it for himself because she doesn't want to, to use it on human trials or whatever. And that's all fine. But literally from the first 10 minutes to the last five minutes, I didn't know what was going on. Um, and I just really, really, really didn't enjoy this episode at all. Do you not Rob? think, though, that on some level that's just modern television? Like, you'd get that in Breaking Bad just as easily. Like, Breaking Bad season four, you know, Jesse and yeah, Walter. Yeah, Breaking Bad is Breaking Bad is like Sopranos, where, like, it's an ongoing kind of adult story. This is Supergirl. Like it's it's I find it now you're right it's it's a generational thing maybe where I like episodic television or at least kind of episodic television where there's a, a, maybe a, a, a story in the background that that goes through numerous episodes or whatever but I have to say that I just it was it was just there was nothing happening I was bored senseless watching it it was conversations about Martian Manhunter and his father and there's Manchester Black and what's that stick that he has I haven't a clue what the stick is the, the, the wand he had what happened to his father I don't know he murdered him like there was just so much going on and I was like I, I don't what what I have, there's no way to get invested in this in, in episode 15 and I can understand it with it with a show like like I said like Sopranos or The Wire or something like that where it's an ongoing story but like I'm f- like, enough- I couldn't imagine I, I couldn't imagine a 12 year old sitting down and going oh I'm going to watch the one where Lex Luthor comes in and they talk about 
everything else that happened 14 episodes and I can't remember. I, I, I just, I, I don't think it's as valid a criticism of this particular episode. I, I just think it's, it's the format of the show. It's the story they set out to tell. You know, I, 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 I understand where you're coming from. I just don't think it's, you know, whereas m- my problem with Onyx in this case of Smallville was that we know how mm. good the show can be. We know how much they can push the boat out. They're, they're just playing it by the numbers. Whereas I think your problem with this is, well, why can't I just watch this in isolation? I, I don't think they ever set out <laughs> to make something that you could watch in isolation. But I think when you're watching like a prime time superhero TV show that it, it should... Like and again, maybe it is just that I'm like a boomer now and get I off my lawn, you damn kids yeah. with with the, with the audience. <laughs> but I think like if I have a kid and she's eight or nine and she wants to watch an episode of Supergirl and she wants to watch the one with Lex Luthor in it, that she shouldn't have to remember fifteen episodes of what happened before this or fourteen episodes about what happened to, to know what's going on. Like I didn't. There was no other episode in in all the episodes that we covered tonight. There was no other episode where there was. Things from they're other all, episodes. They're all 20 and 30 years old, though. They are. They are. And I have to admit that. I have to admit that. But I just found it, ex- except for the the, the, the the scene with Lex at the start and the scene at the end with Lex where he where he escapes, I just found it a drudge. I just found it com- completely unenjoyable. Well, I think you, you, you speak to a bigger thing about how television has changed. And I, I agree with you. I, I think... I find rewatchability and episodic, you know, maybe, maybe it's because it's what we grew up with, but like, you're yeah. never going to like, I think heroes is a great, I always think about heroes was the first one. I really realized this, but like, I really enjoyed heroes when it came out, but I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go watch volume three, chapter five. That was my favorite episode. It's like, no, no, no. Like it's just, there are certain standouts. Like any of these shows, even yeah. shows like Supergirl will have certain standouts. Like, oh yeah, that's the one I like the best. You might revisit it. But even then there's always this other stuff going on. We're like, yeah. what is this? What is this now? You can't just go pop in an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation or Batman the Animated Series or even to a lesser extent Smallville. Smallville was at that kind of change of the, yeah. even over the course of the 10 years of the show, you can see how it went from episodic to more yeah. season arc with little stories in between. And just, I mean, these CW shows, like they're very story arc driven. Uh, and and I, I, there's a balance to be found there. I think you should reward people for watching, you know, uh, a whole season. But then there, that is kind of exclusionary. If like if you're not caught up, you know, like it, and that's why I don't like when it's like it's like a movie for television. It's like chapters. I'm like, nah, it's not. <laughs> this is a TV show, yeah. man. Like there's certain if it's a prestige show on HBO, give me your nine or ten episodes and that's fine. But for a 22 episode season, I. I, I agree with you, Alan, but that's not yeah. like I'm not going to blame this episode. Yeah, for that. I, 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 and I understand. That. I, I was I looking forward that. to this discussion because it it brought back. We, we discussed some of this off mic, and it brought back uh, a famous thread on the Superman homepage, circa 2007, 2008, where my friend Parker, who went by the name Planet Man at the time, on the Superman homepage forum, he made a point that the reason Smallville wasn't more beloved was because it was from an older era of television where every episode was episodic instead of the modern era of television like Lost and all these cool new shows where every episode hangs off the previous episode. And I just think it's amazing that we've circled back now where we're like, no, bring back episodic episodic television. The, the like, X-Files is a perfect example of yeah. that. Like when the X-Files yeah. was on, everybody's favorite episodes were like, oh, it's the aliens, the mythology, the cigarette smoking man. And now it's like, Okay, that didn't really add up that well, but give me the Monster of the Week stories. Those are the ones yeah, I yeah. revisit, and they're so charming and more rewatchability. So I think that's where we are. And I, the, and the perfect wrong, example I, I, is Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We talked about it before, Alan. Like, yeah. that, that's yep. finally getting back to, okay, we've got a problem. Yeah. We're going to solve it in 45 minutes. Done. The end. Let's move on. It's a very good you balance. Know? I agree. 
Yeah, it's 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 just I found the inability to just be able to kind of sample it to just go back and see like and just get a feel for an episode or i i just i just find it very hard like i'm not completely against serialized um tv shows and stuff like if you have a a a series that's six eight ten episodes but like when you get into the 22 episode thing and so much and i remembered straight away why i stopped um following this show and it was just that it was so much filler i thought it was just episode after episode after episode of nothing really happening and then something mm-hmm. might happen and then it would just go on and on and on and i was like i was watching this yesterday and i was like oh my god i would just the, the most basic thing i need is for something to entertain me and i just did not find it in any way entertaining except for john cryer like i'd watch his him have his own show for you know a season like i thought he was i thought he was great i'd love to see him with tyler hecklin i love melissa i think she's great in the part i think she's great um but god i was just i really didn't like i said to you yesterday Rob, i was like i'm going to be the most negative i've ever been about something <laughs> when i'm like i'm not like there's you're very still not being as negative this. as you were about panic in the sky where clark wasn't wearing nothing will recapture that lightning in a bottle rage of <laughs> well what did him. what did you think overall exactly about the episode yeah i mean like you said there's all this other stuff like martian manhunter and jimmy and all that and i'm like okay like even me at the time watching it, i was like i don't know where any of these characters are but sure i'll go along with it i you know i did like lena as a character although mm-hmm. i did i did think the reason i kind of liked what they were doing i'm like oh i this is familiar to me this is lex Luthor from early smallville and that was kind of my criticism of supergirl as a whole like when it went over to cw and like oh well we have our supergirl that's clark let's get lena she's lex and we'll get We'll get uh, uh, Lillian, and she'll be Lionel. I'm like, oh, well, we're just we're just doing Smallville again now. So that's, yeah. but yeah. I, I I like the Lena character. I like her kind of like because they're playing more into like the what what would the Le- sister of Lex Luthor be like? Like we were talking about earlier in the Superboy yeah. thing. That's a whole untapped character they can play with. I'm like, you you have this you know cloud over you because you have the Luther name. You're trying to repair it. I thought that was a very good character hook for her and her interactions with Supergirl and Kara, and those were very interesting. Um, but yeah, to me, it was like, I much like it was like, okay, let's get back to John Carter, the main attraction. That's why I'm here. And, and what yeah. really worked for me, honestly, was the double switch at the end where like, oh, he did fake it all. She was right not to trust him. Like, there you go. That's Lex Uther playing everybody to his own means, playing the long game because he could have like died there, but then all yeah. his way. And then just getting away in a helicopter thing. I'm like, all right, I like that. I, I want to see more from this guy. And I came back and I watched the rest of his episodes that season. So because it ended on that kind of strong note, um, that, that that's why it ended up working for me, but it's not... I don't go rushing. Hey, let's go watch the John Cryer first episode of Supergirl all the time. I'm not. That's not the top of my rewatch list either. So, and it, it was a high. Like it did end on a high note, Rob. Don't you think? Like, what did you think of that whole scene of 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 John Cryer at the end, just escaping from 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 custody and you know escaping the helicopter and the music? Obviously, was a nod to Superman Four, the Mozart music that they play. Um, what did you think of all that? Yeah, I I I thought it was amazing. I thought every single Lex Luthor scene in this was incredible. It was yeah. so so good. It was like textbook Lex. I just going back to what I was saying before about how Lex's humanity is, you know, the most interesting thing about him, and that you know th- that's his his weakness in so many stories. In this story, it's actually his strength because he uses his humanity and his ability to see the goodness in Lena to exploit her in like the most delicious kind of Shakespearean villain way. I just thought that was amazing. And John Cryer s- sold that scene so well where he's talking yeah. to Lena. And by the way, shout out to the fact that they firmly establish in the canon of this show that Lena is Irish. Yeah. By the way. <laughs> I wonder if they have to do that though because sometimes her accent is get, does, <laughs> it does kind of get And by the way, sorry, Zach, I need to establish this firmly, by the way. 
Katie McGrath, the T is silent. It's not Katie McGrath. She oh. went to school across the road from me. Like, I, <laughs> believe me when I say it's not Katie McGrath. It's Katie McGrath. I'm sorry for <laughs> no, mispronouncing her name for years. Anyway, I think she's wonderful. I, I echo everything Zach said. I, I was so worried when they brought her into the show. It was like, oh, they're just going to do the same fucking thing again. Mm. She's going to yeah. whatever. But then in this episode, they do it so beautifully where he kind of outlines to her that, no, you came from a place of light and beauty and goodness. And that's what I love about you. And that's what I've always seen in you. And that's why I'm so proud to be your brother. And he genuinely means it, but he still uses it for nefarious ends. And I just, that's like textbook Lex. Loved it. All the Martian Manhunter stuff. I was like, do you know what? This is a show I haven't been watching. I don't know what's going on. I'd love to go back and find out. I like David Harewood as Martian Manhunter. It doesn't really concern me. I'm happy to just turn my brain off and hopefully we get back to John Cryer soon. And that's how I approach Anytime we revisit something in the midst of a story arc, I'm like, you know what? This isn't for me because I'm just not checked in to this particular storyline. Like it was the same, Zach, when I went on your show and we did the quest. Was that the episode? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I have no idea what's going on. I'm going to try and engage with it. And I think I did. And I I, I had a great time, you know, but like you you can't take these things in isolation if they weren't designed that way. You know, that'd be my attitude. But no, I, I loved his exit. I loved kind of that he was just, there was a touch of goofiness, a touch of eccentricity, but still ultimately menacing. I love that Otis is there. I love that Miss Tessmacher is there. Yeah. Great. Ms. Perfect. Yep. Excellent. Love it. Do you think that we'll see John Cryer, Tyler Hicklin, John Cryer in the show, in the new show? I don't know, right? It's because they, they've pretty much on screen established now that's a different earth than the supergirl earth that we originally saw these characters and actors in which is its own strange course of events but then they they bring back lucy lane her actress uh but they bring back a different sam lane who's jimmy olsen gonna be like i i don't know and i would like to see lex Luthor at some point before the superman and lois show is over and i think Uh, john Cryer would like to I think John Cryer would like to go back. I, I yeah. think I think if they offered him a, a spot on, on on Superman Lois, I think he'd bite their hand off. He loves mm-hmm. that world and that universe and Superman and all that stuff. And that's the he, missing piece, man, for him to, to really submit himself as a as a Mount Rushmore like Luther to me is like to to like hey like you gotta you gotta fight Superman <laughs> at some point. So the interesting thing I noticed watching this episode, like I've often complained that Superman and Lois doesn't embrace the kind of more colorful comic booky yeah. elements of the Superman mythos. And if you watch just this one episode of Supergirl, you've got like the Superman signal watch, you've got Manchester Black, you've got like a really comic book accurate Lex Luthor, you've got like there's so many different elements just crammed into this episode. And I kind of get the impression that maybe when they went to make Superman and Lois, they were like, we've really exhausted all the comic booky stuff. We need to just do like a really, really streamlined story where we just get in deep with the characters. And maybe that's why they've sort of tried to stay away from the Lex Luthor of it all, where they're they're just like, we've exhausted so much of that stuff that we just want to focus on the characters rather than on the mythos, you know? I just just remember, I don't know when it was you guys did an episode about Superman Lois, but... Rob talking about the last scene he wanted to see with like Superman. This is Lex Luthor. This is like something alive. With less than four legs. Love they they should me. still that do that. Should... <laughs> that should uh, be just the the, the series finale cliffhanger. We never see him. We just hear that message and then he flies off. Australia. <laughs> one of my one of my favorite uh, uh, observations you made, Rob, was where you would like to just see Superman three 
over an entire season of Lo- of, of Superman and Lois. <laughs> Please do that. Please. I beg you um, to do that. Go Scorman. The Luther Mansion. Same mansion as in Smallville, according to the trivia. Is um, it? Did anybody else notice that? According to the trivia on the IMDb, it is the same mansion as used by Michael Rosenbaum and the Smallville the Smallville crew. I, I, and I, Oliver I Queen jump and out Arrow? Of me. Oliver Queen and Arrow, the X-Men in the X-Men and Deadpool movies. Yes. It did not so, look the same in this. No, I didn't it didn't look the same. I feel like that's some wrong trivia. Now I'm like, now I'm questioning myself and my fandom. Yeah, so. because I was wondering that myself because it, it, it's something that I thought I would have noticed if it was, but it, it, that's 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 something that popped up. Because it. it definitely looks the same in Arrow, but it doesn't look the same here. I don't know. Um. Yeah. No. Maybe it's wrong. Maybe it is wrong. I I thought the same when I read it. I was like, Jesus, I didn't I didn't get that impression of it at all. But, um. So will we give ratings to this episode? Rob, do you want to go first? Ugh, I mean, like, Martian Manhunter A plot, not, notwithstanding, I would say... Yeah. Like, I, I want to give the Lex Luthor stuff a four or even a five, but, like, I can't because of the rest of the episode. So it, 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 it's a three for me, yeah. Okay. And Zach? Yeah, I, I, I'll give it a three um, on the strength of, like, it, it really balances itself out. Right, it's like some really excellent stuff and some really middle of the road stuff, and uh, just right down the middle, three uh, three drunk riders out of five. So. Yeah, it's a tough one because I hated the episode with a passion, but um, <laughs> with all my fi- with all my being, I hated the episode, but I loved every second John Cryer was on screen. So uh, if it was if it was just on the episode and it was all the Ma- Martian Manhunter stuff, I'd be giving it a one. Um, if not like a half a mark if that was possible but because of the John Pryor stuff I'll, I'll give it a 2.5 maybe I, I mean, that's being we generous 2 2 2 2 2 yeah 2 as we were talking I had to confirm yeah this is not the house from Smallville okay. or Arrow or this is because that was just bizarre trivia and I was like there's no way I missed that and yeah, no, this and is I, not the house <laughs> I was thinking that if you look up the IMDB it says that it is the same house on the trivia you know, section Alan, you the... can't trust everything <laughs> god damn it just before we move on, I, David Harewood was on Michael Rosenbaum's podcast and he, he made an interesting point that like the writers on Supergirl were stro- so restricted by what Martian Man- Manhunter could do because he was so powerful. Yeah. And, they, and, and they needed Supergirl to be the main character to save the day and all that stuff. So they always had to kind of restrict him in what what he could do and they'd always need to find reasons for why he couldn't just he's like, always wearing a necklace or got something like they always <laughs> depower him and nerf him yeah and like as much as i really really love that initial reveal that he's not cyborg superman he's actually martian manager i think that's just such an incredible reveal i i think it was possibly yeah. a mistake to make him such a prominent member of this show because they just kept right. running into that problem of like well this yeah. guy is so much more powerful than her how do we pull him back you know and I think that's that, a one season character. That's like, yeah. okay, you do your story with him and he's got to yeah. leave because like, that's, that's the thing with these, all these that, same thing to lesser extent with all these superhero teams surrounded yeah. by people that could help solve all the problems. And, uh, what is it with them just putting Martian Manhunter in everything? <laughs> he's like the go-to now. It seems it's like, cause Zack Snyder didn't want him. 
Well, like Zack Snyder, was it Zack Snyder or David Goyer said that nobody cares about Martian Manhunter at some stage? I, I think David Goyer said that because yeah. it really he was not really supposed to be in Justice League. I was supposed to be John Stewart, and then WB says, "No, you can't use Green Lantern in anything, and you can't even make Diggle Green Lantern anymore." And I'm like, God, "What is your problem with?" <laughs> anyway, that's his own conversation. But uh, yes, Martian Manhunter. Uh, I, that's a really good episode of Inside of You, by the way, the one with David Harewood. He tells yeah, some very, very interesting, good. interesting stories there. So recommend that. Rob, uh, before we finish up. Um, I'm going to ask both of you to do this. I will start with you, Rob. Um, I want you to, not your favorite Lexus, but I want you to rank these four Lexus. These four Lexus. Um, okay, so Gene Hackman is not in the mix. Definitely John Shane number one. Um, I am very strangely going on the basis of just one episode I've seen. I'm going to put John Cryer number two. Like, yeah. I, it, I just really, really loved him. I loved everything he did. I thought he was great. Sherman Hare is number three, um, and th that's no disrespect to Michael Rosenbaum. I think he's amazing in that show. He's obviously one of the best things about it. You know, he's at the bottom of the list, but still a very, very strong Lex Luthor. So. Zach? This is tough because I do enjoy all these performances. And, is this like uh, Sophie's Choice? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I got to go with Rosenbaum 1, Shay 2, Cryer 3, and I understand why you put Cryer second because even I go back and forth with him. But yeah. that's, like that Superman factor is the X element. And Sherman Howard at a very strong unfair four because yeah, like, yeah. We're, I know he's at the bottom, but it's like oh, but he he was he was good. I really enjoy his performances, and it's so interesting that you know Cryer and Howard are probably the most comic book accurate. Yeah. Uh, at yeah. least pre-crisis. I mean, John Shea is straight out of post-crisis. Uh, and the thing about Smallville is they gave the the post-crisis Lex Luthor origin to Lionel Luthor. Like yes. He killed his parents. Yeah. He grew up in suicide slums. He did all that. So that was a way to kind of have their cake and eat it too. So you had all that going on. Luther Corp over there, not Lex Corp, by the way. But that, that Mike Rosenbaum completely inaccurate to the to the comic books. But but just the performance and the just the personal stakes between him and Clark and watching them for so long mm. just had so much time with the character. Yeah. Right? yeah. And so that, that's why he he's he's got to be the number one. But these are all I could recommend these Lex sisters to anyone. And to your point, Alan, they're all so very different. Uh, you're going to get a different flavor for everyone you watch. And it just goes to show by the rankings because I think we're all going to be different because mine would be, again, and maybe it is nostalgia, but I have to give the number one to Shea. I'd go Cryer 2, Rosenbaum 3, and uh, and Sherman Howard 4 for me. And again, no disrespect to Sherman Howard. He's great. Lex Luthor. But I, I just think it's very interesting how we're all slightly different or we're all, mm -hmm. you know, none of us none of us chose the same. It's not as straightforward. It's obviously um, and each to their own kind of. Um, and, and just the last thing I wanted to ask you, Zach, um, before we finish up is... Do you think we're going to see Michael Rosenbaum on the big screen as Lex Luthor now that James Gunn is in charge of DC Studios? Never. Never? We're never going to see him as, as Lex Luthor <laughs> on the big screen. Uh, we might hear him on Smallville, the animated series, one day, but that's the extent of, of, of the Smallville continuation. Uh, I don't. I mean, that's that's a fun thing to think about. There's no bigger Smallville fan than me, but like, he wouldn't. I wouldn't want to see him show up and, yeah. and face whoever fill in the blank actor as Superman at the time. Like that's. There's no, it's, it's not how it works, right? I, because because I, I, I've heard him say a couple of times on different yeah. things like podcasts, like it wouldn't hurt to give him a call. Like when when he kind of gets annoyed that they don't just even kind of let him try for it and see. Um, but because he's I an can't... actor who wants work, I get it. But it's like you're not, <laughs> unless you're facing Tom Welling Superman, I, there's no, there's no. Now the only, like the only, in, in my, just my opinion, if they ever came up with some sort of Brandon Routh Superman project like well we're just throwing random actors and characters and put Lacrosse on there's Lex Luthor right just just to have because obviously you can't do a 
Well, Kevin Spacey with Lex Luthor anymore. <laughs> so you need a Lex Luthor, just throw him in there. But other than that, no. We're, we're, it's my, and not to say I wouldn't love to see him again. Yeah. I just It's not going to happen. His best opportunity was the crisis. He passed on it. You know, yeah. I don't know how it would have worked, but we got a great scene between Tom Wally and John Cryer there, so it all came out okay in the end. But no, I, I animation is the only way we'll see Michael Rosenbaum reprise the role, in my opinion. I, I would say, though, on that, Zach, we are definitely going to see Michael Rosenbaum in a DC film in the future because of the James Gunn mm. thing. Like, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. Maybe he's playing Booster Gold or something like that. He's like a bit he, of wool, does he? Well, no offense, Michael. You know, I mean... <laughs> Uh, I love his, Michael. But... What's his face? Ant Man. Paul Rudd is like fifty three. Like he's still playing. Yeah, uh, Rosamond. He's a good looking fifty. So. Yeah, like you know, why well, not? Considering like, he will definitely play a random DC backbencher. There's no doubt in my mind. It will happen. Considering that Dan Jurgens told us that he wanted Justin Timberlake to play the part, anything is possible. That was that was a very bizarre <laughs> call there. But you know, I, I had a question for y'all though. As we wrap up here, though, I know we're yeah. going super super long. <laughs> Ah, it doesn't matter. Well, I'm easy, but um, I'm... What is it that TV gets Lex Luthor so right and movies get Lex Luthor so wrong? And I use an asterisk there because, you know, Gene Hackman is Gene Hackman. The big misstep for me in Superman Returns was not turning the Gene Hackman Lex using that time gap into the post-crisis Lex. Perfect opportunity they squandered. Yeah. And as much as I don't enjoy Justin Eisenberg and Lex Luthor, I have grown to at least, you know... He's a valid interpretation of the character. It's not yeah. the one I wanted, not the one we needed, but it's not like invalid. Like you look at it on paper, I'm like, oh, this is a Lex Luthor type. Uh, the visual presentation is more jarring than anything else and the performance and the quirks. But like, if you look at it on paper, I understand where they're going for Very, it. very Edward Nigma, I always think. Well, it's the visual. It's the long yeah. red hair and all that. Like the, the whole, like, I don't know if you, like angry atheist Lex Luthor, like, sure, great. Like, like that's, that's a completely valid, like, God didn't do this and that, and you're God, and I'm going to take my anger out on my life on you. Like, that works for, for that. Yeah. But but we all, I mean, we all kind of wanted, like, a Mike Rosenbaum, a, a Billy Zane-esque <laughs> type, if, dare I say. Um, so I don't know, like, and, and it causes so much division. When it comes to TV, I think all the fans are like, yeah, I love this, I love this, I love this. Yeah. What do you think the disconnect is? There's no right or wrong answer. I'm just curious what you guys' opinions as fans are. <laughs> Rob, you go first. Um, the honest, honestly, I I don't know. I think, like you said, I think they made a a, a big misstep with Kevin Spacey, and uh, kind of nobody wants to see that land scheme thing again. And I know he brought a sinisterness to it. I didn't like Jesse Eisenberg at all. I was actually looking forward to Jesse Eisenberg. I thought Jesse Eisenberg was really kind of going to play it like a sinister Mark Zuckerberg, which I suppose he kind of was. But it, it it was just the interpretation on the screen, the, the 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 decisions he made like that. I'll never forget. I always feel dirty whenever I think of that scene where he puts that gummy bear in the guy's mouth. Like what's, what's what what is going what what's going on there? Um, and then like you said, like TV just nails it. They're like they they've nailed it with John Shea. They nailed it with Sherman Howard. Uh, they nailed it with Scott Wells. Oh, sorry, no, no. Um, they <laughs> Rob's face. Um, they, 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 you know, nobody it's... talks as president as student buddy <laughs> like that. Nobody. That, that's a good impression there, Rob. <laughs> Spot on. Clancy Brown, even voice, voice wise, they nailed it with Clancy Brown. And I know, I think I read somewhere during the week now. Trust that my my trivia uh, record hasn't been great tonight, but uh, that that Sherman Howard was actually up for that against Clancy Brown. That it kind of came down to the two of them. Now I don't know how true that is because I heard you know, that as well. And then Sherman Howard went on to play a blight in season one of Batman Beyond. Derek, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it sounds very very likely like that. You know, he went to play on a very similar character like a year later. So. <laughs> 
Yeah. So I don't know. Like you would think in this day and age where, you know, like the, the, the post-crisis Lex Luthor is clearly based on like this kind of Trumpian character, not, not maybe necessarily on, on people Donald in Trump himself, influence, but people with power, people with money, people who maybe yeah, like, make you know, films. Yeah, like the Ted Turners and those kind of... It's Ted a universal Turner. timeless you know theme with that guy like we should be able to nail that in, in this day and age of all of all of all ages like we should be able to nail that down because we're surrounded with people like that um but i don't know i don't know what it is about tv compared to movies that they just haven't nailed it um I, i'd love to see i i still don't think we've seen the definitive lex, lex luther on screen at all maybe it's maybe crier as he goes on but i don't think we've seen like I think we've seen the definitive Superman in terms of Chris Reeve. I I would argue. I know it's dated now, and those movies are 50, 40, 50 years old. But I think we've seen that. I don't think we've seen the definitive Batman. I don't think we've seen the definitive. I don't know why I can't say definitive all of a sudden. Um, but I don't think we've seen the definitive uh, 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 Lex Luthor on screen. And I I'd love to see it on the big screen. I'd love to see people understand why this character has endured for eighty plus years, just like Superman has, and what is so interesting what he brings to the table because like you said he is kind of a counterpoint to bruce wayne he's this rich billionaire um he has no superpowers i know in certain comics he has the war suit and stuff um but what's so interesting about him i think is that ju- just a bu- just juxtaposition of his the mask what i always find interesting about lex Luthor is this mask that he wears he goes out and everybody loves him and especially uh, so well portrayed in season one of lois and clark where everybody loves lex Luthor. perry white is a great judge of character he's a newsman he loves lex Luthor. everybody likes him jimmy looks up to him and he's a ladies man lois has feelings for him um but then he's 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 satan under him well you know like it's 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 skin deep and the, once the veil is removed and they try to get it across in that first episode where he has that weird scene with the snake and he stares down the snake and that was their way of kind of showing you how evil this guy was um and i'd love to see that on the big screen <laughs> maybe well, not that specific scene maybe not that um, specific scene. <laughs> honestly and this is just this is just me guessing i i think Warner Brothers movie executives don't want a villain who reminds them too much of themselves. I honestly, I seriously think that's what it is. Like we, we've mentioned so many times before, Lex Luthor is literally a villain you can walk out in the street and find. And yeah. th- they're too afraid to look in the mirror and see something horrifying. Um, yeah, I, 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 so I would say... Kevin Spacey. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I think... Kevin Spacey, the Kevin Spacey Superman Returns version and the Jesse Eisenberg version were both caricatures that were too far removed from mm. reality for anyone to kind of go, oh, that's me, you know, whereas John yeah. Shea and John Cryer and definitely John Glover and to a lesser extent Michael Rosenbaum, they're, they're all people that you could find in boardrooms in, yeah. in mm. Warner Brothers pictures definitely today, you know. Um, to, to your point, Alan, I would say and this is a hot take. The the closest we have ever gotten to a definitive Lex Luthor in any medium is Superman in Superman the movie saying, is that how you get your kicks? By planning the deaths of innocent people and Gene Hackman suddenly going completely serious and saying, no, by causing the deaths of innocent people. That's the bit that everybody forgets about that movie. And that's why he's my favorite. I think that's an excellent point to close out on. Um, Zach. Thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, we've probably our longest episode to date, Rob. <laughs> but worth it, I we've think. taken up all of Zach's day. Um, but yeah, it was a great discussion. Great to have you back again. Where can people find you, Zach? 
Yeah, you can find me at uh, Always Smallville with one S on Twitter uh, and Always on the Smallville on Facebook. And we are going through each and every episode of Smallville, the Young Superman series that ran from 2001 to 2011 on the WB and the CW. So always hold on to Smallville. We are in season eight at present, and uh, we have two more seasons after this, and then we'll see where life takes us. Excellent. I just want to say I'm I'm really, really psyched to hear you guys go through season eight of Smallville uh, because it's... yeah. It's one of the ones I'm least familiar with, actually. I, I, the Davis Bloom of it all is not something I'm familiar with, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to kind of checking all that out. So yeah, uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at All Star Superfan and on Twitter at All Star Superpod. You can also reach us with your thoughts and opinions by emailing All Star Superpod at gmail.com and be in with a chance of having your email read live on air. Um, and if you can spare a few minutes of your time to rate us on whichever platform you listen to the show, we'd very much appreciate it. Uh, we could do with as many reviews as possible. It really is. Someone said I listened to a podcast during the week and there were like a, a reviews are the equivalent of ratings for podcasts. Yeah. Um, so it really it would help us out. So if, if you can leave us a review and take the time that'd be great guys thank you so much come on let me say this one come on. take care folks no <laughs> no the other thing come on i know it's just dangling up a few times let me hear it just once take care folks stay safe stay safe all-star super fans hello it is editor and co-host rob here uh with breaking news we just learned via www.twitter.com that john crier will not be reprising his role as Lex Luthor on Superman and Lois. So this, we decided that because this dates the episode we just recorded a little bit, that we would chime in with little voice notes. Uh, we're editing this uh, the week before Christmas, so I figured uh, there was no point in trying to drag uh, the other two gentlemen back into a Zoom meeting to 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 record an actual chat about this. So we just did these little voice voice notes. I hope that's okay. Um, my own thoughts on this are: I'm very very disappointed. I think John Cryer was amazing. Uh, yes, tonally, I think Supergirl is a very different show to Superman and Lois, and possibly that might have been part of the reason why they didn't want to bring him back and they wanted to go in a different direction. That being said, shout out to listener Matthew Malecki, who pointed out that actors act, <laughs> and uh, you can you know you can compensate for a tonal for a tonal change in in a different show. Like Tyler Hecklin was in Supergirl. He played Superman a little bit differently in that show than he does in Superman and Lois. There's no reason why John Cryer couldn't have adapted his interpretation for this show. Uh, but I think it had a little bit more to do with that. I, I think it was um, partly to do with scheduling. Could have had a money-related reason to it as well. I know Superman and Lois is probably an expensive-ish show to make, at least by CW standards, and maybe they, they couldn't justify the cost of bringing someone over who's a bit more established. So who knows? Um, I am glad that they're doing Lex Luthor. Uh, I, you know, I, we don't know how long the show has left with all the pandemonium that's going on with uh, DC at the moment. And it, it could be on the chopping block in the near future. So I'm glad they're at least going to be able to do Lex Luthor before uh, the show ends. Um, who would I like to see? I don't know. Uh, what, what, what I would say is I would like to be as surprised and as shocked and as utterly delighted by whoever plays Lex next as I was by John Cryer, who was just splendid in the role. He was so, so good. Great ambassador for the role, for the Superman franchise. Um, and what a redemption story, you know, going from being told by Christopher Reeve that the movie he was in was shite 
to being this beloved um, version of the ultimate arch nemesis for the Man of Steel. Um, I, yeah, just hats off to you, John Cryer, class act, and best luck with your new series. And you stand proud as one of the best TV Lex Luthers ever. So take it away, Zach and Alan. Hey, All-Star Superfans, Zach Moore here, commenting on the breaking news that John Cryer is no longer playing Lex Luthor. He is not going to be the Lex Luthor that we are going to see in future seasons, presumably, of Superman and Lois. I am disappointed by this because I did like John Cryer's Lex Luthor. You heard us talk about it throughout this episode. And the one missing element for him, as I said, was he really never faced off against Tyler Hecklin's Superman. Uh, he faced off against Tom Welling as Clark Kent in Crisis on Infinite Earths in, in a great scene. Uh, I really love that interaction. And just the nature of the Arrowverse where John Cryer was on Supergirl and then Superman Lois did its own thing. And yes, Tyler Hecklin and Bitsy Tulloch uh, and Jenna Dwan came over. David Ramsey is Diggle. But everybody else was either a new character or recast. You know, you have a new Morgan Edge. You have a new Sam Lane. Got to have a new Lex Luthor. So you could say this presents a unique opportunity to cast a new actor and have them leave their stamp on the role. And that's probably what they'll do. Um, but I got to say again, it's a chance to cast my boy Billy Zane. <laughs> Give him a call. I'm serious. He's going to age out of the role here in the next few years. And I'm fine with an older Lex Luthor. He, uh, Billy Zane's actually a year younger than John Cryer, so that would work. Um He's my number one choice. Also, obviously, you have Michael Rosenbaum out there. Uh, he claims he would love to play Alex Luther again. I don't think they'll be mixing and matching uh, actors and characters like that. Uh, so I, I see that as a far-off uh, choice, even though, as Rosenbaum himself has said, his, his best friend, James Gunn, runs DC now. I don't know how much power he has over the, the TV Otherwise, I understand it. They they were trying to create some synergy between all the projects, uh, although that would just create confusion. I think if Michael Rosenbaum with Lex Luthor is a different Lex Luthor than he was on Smallville as he would be, I, I don't think that's going to happen because everyone expects me as the Smallville guy to say, oh, Michael Rosenbaum is Lex. Yeah, but, but he's not going to be the Lex we knew from Smallville, and he's not going to face off against Tom Welling as Superman. So I would rather they save that for you know that animated show they – uh, are working on behind the scenes. So I would I would love to see him come back in that capacity. So there's also Titus Welliver, who I think is a great actor, and I enjoy him in everything I see him in. Uh, he plays Lex Luthor on Titans, which I have yet to watch, uh, so I really cannot comment. I did see a preview scene that he was in, and I thought that was cool. I, I think they took the beard thing a little too, a little too far, honestly, uh, with that. I know John Cryer had the beard. And then they kind of doubled the beard for Titus Welliver. I, uh, I appreciate that he's bald, though. So he's got that going for him. I don't know. Like, like, like I said, I, I like him and everything I see him in. But when they really cross the streams like that again and uh, use someone who has played the character in a totally different continuity and a totally different show as that character, that would create confusion, perhaps. Well, it, it would definitely create confusion, I think. So where does that leave us? I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know who. There's not a list of actors who I'm like, yes, cast him as Lex Luthor at this point. Other than, of course, like I said, Billy Zane, um, who has appeared on the Arrowverse before. So he's not outside the realm of possibility, just saying. But, I mean, he was uh, P.T. Barnum, I believe, in an episode of Legends of Tomorrow, which I have not seen either, but I am aware <laughs> of his appearance. So 
Yeah, well, it's like when they cast Superman on Supergirl, like Tyrell Hecklin. Who are you? Right? He was on Team Wolf. I'd never watched that show, uh, and really made a really strong first impression. And and I I think, and then really came into his own in the role, obviously on Superman Lois the show. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, that's where we are with Lex Luthor now. I I I had thought perhaps that they really would bring John Cryer into Superman Lois, but uh, he had some. You know, informative and insightful and, and gracious tweets about it. Uh, he said he probably wouldn't even be available because he's doing a new show with NBC coming up and uh, says the DC did reach out to him and explain to him what their plans were. So that's good on them for that. So yeah, I don't, we'll just, we'll see what happens, I guess. Um, it's Lex going to be like a main character. He's going to be a recurring guest star. Uh, these, these shows, well, Superman and Lois, especially a very arc based show. One episode, leads into the other so if he's going to be a presence he, i would presume he'd be around the entire season uh and maybe we'll finally get that scene that rob has wanted so long with lex luther talking to superman on a super sonic frequency there's only one thing alive with less than four legs that can hear me superman and that's you so maybe maybe we'll get that scene for you rob but yeah th- th- those are my thoughts on it i think john cryer did a, did a great job and uh, would have again would have loved to see him actually face off against superman to kind of complete his uh complete the missing piece of, of, of his his time as the character, right? Because that's that's what you want. You want to see Superman versus Lex Luthor. So there you have it. Uh, those are my thoughts on the update that John Cryer has, has exited the role. And uh, I tweeted him uh, that I thought he really carried on the legacy well and thanked him for his time in the role, and, and I really think he did. Uh, I, I think that uh, he was a, a, a good addition to the legacy of Lex Luthor, and we'll see what happens next. Hey everybody, Alan here. Apologies if the sound quality isn't as good as normal, but I am uh, making this recording on my phone, on my commute to work. It's 5 a.m. It's minus 6.5 degrees Celsius, which I think is about 20 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, Basically, I am saddened to to find out that John Cryer will not be returning to Superman and Lois. Um, As you'll hear in the episode, uh, myself, Rob and Zach all think he did a fantastic job and uh, I love the fact that he was cast in the first place. It's such off-the-wall casting, the fact that they went as far back as 1987 to cast Lenny Luthor. And to be honest, I, I, I always thought that John Cryer was going to do a great job in the role. I knew he would be able to pull off Sinister. I had a feeling that he would really, um, he, he, he could really serve the goods. And I am saddened to see him go. Now, what does this mean for Superman and Lois? Um, well, I knew Lex Luthor live action television Lex Luthor or perhaps an old Lex Luthor who knows maybe we could see Michael Rosenbaum return um, I for one would like to see something new something different uh, as I discussed with Zach or as Zach discussed with us on the show uh, one of my top picks uh, that I share with Zach is that of uh, Billy Zane who I think would make a superb Lex Luthor not only does he fit the, the look and the aesthetic but I think he's well capable of pulling off both the tongue-in-cheek, campy elements of the character and the more sinister, uh, villainous elements of Lex Luthor. So, all aboard the Zane train, for me anyway. Um, I really would love to see him on the big screen, but I would settle for the small screen. So, uh, yeah, exciting times. Looking forward to seeing what happens. Uh, thank you to John Cryer for everything you've done. Uh, we'd love to have you on the podcast if you'd, if you'd, if you'd ever like to come on. Um, but, yeah, I hope you all enjoy the show. Take care. Stay safe. Bye-bye.